0: Today's episode of Laced Up a Hockey Podcast is sponsored by Smoke and Mirrors Media. Smoke and Mirrors Media is a creative media production company specializing in photography and videography. Their services provide creative content for clients that offer extraordinary advertising and exposure opportunities that will help any size and type of business stand out from the competition. Whether you're a struggling artist with a small budget or a successful business with some extra cash, Smoke and Mirrors Media can take your venture to the next level. James, you got any uh, ventures you got to take to the next level, or what?
1: I got a couple sisters that are getting married.
0: Ooh, do they need uh, pictures?
1: They might. My dad likes wow. to think he's a photographer, but <laughs> I don't. I hope he doesn't listen to this. We love your work, Dad. Is it good? He does better than average, but he's no smoking mirrors.
0: <laughs> he, he takes a picture better than I can. So, yeah. so you might say that it would be better left for the professionals, then. Well boy do I have a professional for you. Professional photography offers your websites, brochures and social media outlets the opportunity to shine. Professional videography creates an opportunity that allows potential customers and clients to get an in-depth look into your unique venture. Smoke and Mirrors doesn't just deal with commercial shoots but also private accounts as well. Wedding and engagement photos, family portraits, they see there you go. And even more can be available through Smoke and Mirrors and nobody does it better. Visit smokeandmirrorsmedia.ca and follow at smokeandmirrors.media on Instagram for more information.
1: Man, talk radio. Yes, talk radio. It's so boring, man. Okay. Dykhouse will play it back and this fourth line for Montreal seems to have bottled up Carolina, shift after shift in tonight's game. A
2: lot of energy and a steal by loose kayvu scores
1: For Monday, January 18th, 2021, it's the 99th, Hello Wayne Gretzky, episode of yeah. the Laced Up Hockey Podcast. I am not Wayne Gretzky, I am James Cole.
0: Yeah, and of course this will be the episode known as the greatest one. Yeah. It's all downhill from here. The 100th? You don't want to hear it.
1: It's not the nicest one, but it might be the greatest it's one. It's not
0: the nicest one, that was a while ago, but this 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 might be the great one. Yeah. That's right. Uh, I am Bruce Battaglia. Hey, Ian. I'm good. That's good. I'm good. I'm touch your garbage? Out, I'm trying to figure out if there's a way on my laptop. Yeah, like before before we started recording here. If anyone out there is a techie, I'm trying to figure out if there's a way. You know um, when you go to the empty your trash bin on your computer and it has that, that crumple mm. sound? I guess that's supposed to symbolize trash being thrown out. If anyone knows how to, for me to get a soundbite of Jack Armstrong going, Get that garbage out of here! As the as the soundbite for when that happens, I would like to I would like to do that. So if we have any techies out there, please um, tweet at LacedUpPod on Twitter and please explain to me how to do that.
1: I like that you made the trash noise with your mouth instead of just like editing it in on post. Like, nah, this is the sound. No, it's this better. is the exact. I sound could pro- I, okay. I, I I
0: even could edit in the Jack Armstrong soundbite instead of my terrible impression of Jack Armstrong. He's not. He's not that high on my list of my of my best impressions, that's mm. for sure.
1: Okay. You know. That's, I don't do that's, the best probably night. It's fine. You you have a good you got some good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bane Bane's good. Bane, it's been I a while. It's, yeah. Well, wow. It's, use it sparingly. Right. Yeah. Maybe we'll see uh, the return of Bane in the 100th episode perhaps. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um
0: so, Who do you do an impression of? It? It'll actually it'll be oh, Bane wow. and do M. I do
1: any imp- impressions?
0: Uh fuck it's, I mean, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's good to know. Do you, yeah. do you do any? I don't think so. You do some, I feel like. Really? Like, you can do a Babcock. Yeah, but everyone can do a Babcock. You just add a yeah, beat of every word. Others. Some are better than others. Do you do a Don Cherry? No. Don I'm... Cherry's one of my favorite ones to do, but I do it seldomly, too. The one I think the one I do the most of is probably Pierre Maguire. Mm. You know? But it... My McGuire is very similar to my Cherry. I've tried to do... similar to my
1: Trump. I've tried to do torts a few times, but really all I have is, like, the, the Brooksy line. That's all you got, really. Like, that's everyone's torts yeah, impersonation. that's, that's the best. Like, I like, even
0: on the radio this week, like, I just... I can't take the sound of his voice seriously. Like, I just laugh when I hear him. I don't
1: know if I'd be able to play for him.
0: I tried... to be beat the shit out of
1: me. I tried to do Doc Emmerich on the opening of one of our episodes recently. Oh, that wasn't I don't, bad. I don't know if it was oh, great. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the intro. What was that? Was that the... That was something about that episode that was special because I led into it with... Well, it was, was just him retiring. no oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Speaking of retiring, uh, there's a couple of guys playing football right now that probably should have done that a few years ago. Oh, boy. Uh, Drew Brees well, and Tom Brady. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Drew's playing right now. Oh, well, yeah. I thought he when I left. Jameis. Jameis is in the game slinging the fucking ball, baby. Oh, that was a trick play. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't. I didn't watch it. Yeah, it was a very interesting. I don't um, want to know what happened. Yeah, uh, eighty-five years old combined these two quarterbacks. Isn't that wild? That's wild, folks. Um that is pretty, pretty Meanwhile, wild. the NHL uh, uh, kicked off its Sunday with Crosby uh, versus Ovechkin. So really, both both wow. sports. You know, really just, really just getting the stars blast out there. from the past. Yeah, uh, today. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a time.
0: I watched um, the Caps, Pens, today. And that was the slowest Penguins Capitals game I've watched since it was Robert Lang versus Martin Straka. Like the it was it was not great. Oh, it was not Chris Clark days. It was not very exciting, but it was still like a close game. Matt and was, you know, yeah, yeah. I, like he, he might have been hiding on the roster somewhere, James. Apparently, this freaking Zdeno Chara guy's on the Capitals. Mm, How Gill also was
1: tall. Yeah, they looked about the same. Hmm. Yeah, it's not great. Um. Yeah, you can find uh, whatever is left of the highlights from the Drew Brees Tom Brady game on the History Channel airing uh, tomorrow. Um, but I, I, here's how stupid football is. Okay, so
0: for for those out there who watch the game, I watched the Chiefs and Browns earlier, and I turned it off because I I just can't watch that. I just can't watch football unless my team's involved or unless wow. there's fantasy on the line. Okay, I can't. I I just can't sometimes. Uh, T. Higgins of the Browns tries to run in a touchdown, and he gets hit as he's going over the line by the Chiefs defender, who knocks the ball loose out of T. Higgins' hands. Which is fair, but the defender hit T. Higgins as he was diving, and he went head first, shoulder first, into Higgins' head, which caused him to drop the ball, and therefore it's like called a fumble, and there was no helmet-to-helmet call on the play. And the Chiefs just get the ball back on that play. Like, that's just how that works. Mm. How, like, it's fucking archaic, this sport. It's mm. just ridiculous where it's like the Chiefs get rewarded for probably giving T. Higgins a concussion. You know? Mm.
1: Like, it's just okay. stupid. Um, it's a stupid sport. Is is the Browns the worst name for a sports team in North America? The Browns.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, it's the – it's, it's – one of the only sports team's names that just makes you think about the toilet.
1: Like outside of like the obvious uh, cultural appropriation uh, yeah. sports names. It's probably Browns, well,
0: right? Yeah, like the Redskins are gone. The Indians are gone. I still think the Blackhawks suck. Yeah, the Browns are up there.
2: Mm.
0: It's Again, it's the only team name that instantly makes me think of a toilet. Where like the Canadians logo makes me think of a toilet, but that's because we realized it kind of looks like a toilet seat. Right. But the Browns makes you think of a bowel movement. Mm-hmm. You know, especially being from Cleveland. Especially
1: watching the team for mm. 30 yeah. years, am I right, folks? Oh, there it is. Um, <laughs> this is the a new approach. The laced up podcast. We're gonna have some some sister podcasts of so the laces out. Uh, that that's gonna be our football content, and then we got uh, La- laces Better done. Ex- laces done that's our our basketball uh podcast uh, featuring uh rodzi abazirez uh because you know they they have laces and the sneakers you know they do those up and then baseball they, there's laces on the ball but i don't really have a a witty way of um working a laces reference in for baseball so laces juiced maybe maybe that's the way to way to do it laces juice yeah they juice the balls now you juice su- a lace oh they juice the balls and the ball has laces so I would I would
0: like for that sport to get to a point where like fucking D Gordon steals a base and they're just like, ooh, you know what? I think he's juicing his laces. You know? <laughs> that guy steals sixty-seven bases a year. Fucking must be juicing up those laces. Yeah. Those laces
1: weigh uh, twenty-two grams lighter than everybody else's laces in the sport. He's cheating. Is that Ray? He's cheating. Was that a Ray Ferraro? If you wanted to be, I guess. A I don't really have any more. Pretty good. <laughs>
0: excursion, I tell ya. <laughs> Matt, the Yankees are swinging at everything tonight. <laughs> it's just abysmal. Yeah. Oh, wow. You got a ballpark where if you hit the ball 100 feet, it might go 300, and they're swinging 600. It makes no sense. Now, look at this as he rounds
1: third, he trips up, and he's going to pause for a moment. He that hesitation right there for a second. Now he's stuck at third. Could be up by a run instead. Here we are in the seventh. Tie ball game.
0: Tashera threw his bat into the stands, Gord. I've never seen anything like this.
1: The next 32 minutes will be Ray Friar impersonations of different sports. Nah,
0: nah, we're, we're good. Uh, we're, yeah. We'll get the darts one out of the way, and then we're just like, Gord, he hits 180 all the time. It's auto, It's almost automatic.
1: Gord, I've been standing out here in my in my towel for half an hour, and I can't get into the room. Yeah.
0: The crowd's having a lot of fun here. Gord pitches a beer, four dollars after uh, after the first round. You know, <laughs> I have. I think I've, That's i That's off to Ray. I think I've talked about this before. It is. It's almost absurd how high a professional darts tournament is on my bucket list of things I want to go to one day. It's very, very high. Like it's professional sports tournament. No, it's professional darts. Oh, tournament. darts! I Did see. I say sports?
1: I probably missed. I've whatever. been, I,
0: yeah. No, I, I want to go. I want to go to a darts tournament. It looks like the most fun in the world.
1: Now, can you smoke darts at a dart tournament? I don't
0: know. The arenas are big, and it's in Europe, so maybe conceivably, uh-huh. like if you go to one in the Netherlands, Barney Van Gerwin's home country. Yeah,
1: I actually know stuff about darts. Okay. Yeah, like Winston Churchill didn't shut down smoking in dart clubs back in the day. He was you out know there with a stogie
0: himself. I and I. I this was something, too, I meant to tell you off the air, but to, not to do a super hard transition here. But speaking of Winston Churchill, um, <laughs> which is not something you wow. hear on a sports podcast seven minutes in very often, uh, I started watching Peaky Blinders. Mm, uh, upon, upon well, sort of upon your recommendation. Uh, for full background here, I started watching Peaky Blinders in 2016 from Bob McKenzie's uh, recommendation, or whatever, like years ago. Anyway. He was a big fan, yeah. And uh, I couldn't get into it, and I tried again a few years later, and I couldn't get into it, and I tried again the other day because I'm super bored. I just finished Breaking Bad. I've been doing nothing but rewatching shows that I've already seen, and at some point I need to get out of my comfort zone again and watch a new show. So I fucking started it again, and I'm enjoying it. I I'm, I think I'm going to make it through the first few episodes finally this time. The guy who plays Winston Churchill, bang on. I love it. I think I think it's great. Like it's it's no it's no Gary Oldman, right? But it's a different he, era. Though. He plays a
1: young Winston Churchill. Yeah. he fucking nails it. It's like great. it's pretty good, yeah. eh? right? Yeah. they they do well. Not just one thing, but like they do well on nailing real life people. Yeah. And, like, the actors that they line up for those people, like, down the road. Like, as you get further down, they meet more and more people that were alive at this time in England and shit like that. And they they nail it. They do a really good job on their casting of that show. I'll, I'll give them that.
0: Yeah. So, what's, like, what's his deal? The fucking, uh, what's his name? Tommy Shelby? Yeah. Is that the guy? What? So, why? Here's what I, like, I just, I was kind of doing something while I was watching it. So, I'm enjoying it. But I must have missed something. What, like, what's his deal? Like, why are they... I, like I'm not spoiling much at the end. It's at the, at the end of the first episode, and it turns out that the chick's a spy mm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So why is she so preoccupied with him? Like what what's his background? And I I must have missed okay. like 5 minutes of something.
1: I don't think they really do a good job of explaining why they're criminals. Okay, for like a season or so. As long as, oh, okay.
0: Yeah. As long as I don't need to know yet, then I don't care. No. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. So okay, then that's even more intriguing that I that I'm not supposed to know. Yeah. Because I was doing something else while I was watching it, so like I kinda missed a few minutes here and there. Yeah. So I thought maybe I missed something. Yeah, you but, kinda get okay, you,
1: you kinda get dropped off at a point where oh, I like that. They've they've been a criminal family for a few years, but like when the show starts you're just coming into as the momentum's building. Yeah. And then later on they'll talk about the origins. And it's
0: not super overt. I noticed in that first episode that it is a crime family. Like, there's like there's little hints, mm-hmm. but it's not like, hey, these guys are super big criminals kind of thing. Like, right. it's not right in your face kind of thing. It's like, right. there's all the shows almost secretive about that, but I
1: thought maybe I missed an explanation. So that's cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They do, they, they're, it's what, six episodes a season, I think, like, something like that. Oh, so, is it that few? Yeah. Oh, and they're all like an hour long. And, oh. uh, there's only 30 episodes of this show. Oh yeah, I thought it was getting into a huge commitment of like <sighs> 70 episodes. No, here. I'm so sorry. Well, I, I might even prefer that actually. I don't yeah. know. Is it over now? No, they there's they had to like everybody else had to stop filming because of COVID. But uh, the seventh season was supposed to come out. Okay, that's one of the it's one of the cool things about like yeah, there's only six episodes, but like like Cillian Murphy, like how fucking good is that guy, right? So like he doesn't want to spend like months recording a 20 episode season for 10 years. Like it's, it was part of his contract that the show is only doing six episodes a season because he's like, I, I like the idea. I love the character. I want to do this. I want to commit to it, but I don't want to like have this eat up 80% of my schedule. I want to be able to go out and do movies and yeah. I want to be able to go out and do like theater and whatever else. So they, they really took like a, a backseat to him and said like, yeah, you're the star. We don't really have a show without you, so we will scale ourselves down and maybe we do fifteen seasons instead of like eight or nine, like most shows would. But we'll we'll only do six episodes, so your your schedule's not so hectic. Nice. Yeah. I uh I think I've said it before in the podcast.
0: I'm a big Cillian Murphy guy. Oh yeah. Big, big yeah. fan. He yeah. he is a great
1: actor. I, I I don't know if it's season two. Season three for sure, but but maybe season two. Uh, you're going to meet Tom Hardy. Okay. Woo-hoo. Yeah. One of my favorite characters that's ever graced the, uh, the TV. And, like, did I did I see something that uh, Anna Taylor-Joy is in this show, too, at some point? That sounds right. Yeah? I don't think a, a, a big character, but that does sound like she's, yeah, I got, I got she's a open wife here. or something Anna, down Anna the road.
0: Anna Taylor-Joy is in this show currently. She, she I'm, has a,
1: a wife or something, I, I think. Know. She's yeah. awesome. Oh, I yeah. I like her a lot. Adrian Brody. Yeah, he comes in Adrian for, Brody. for a season. He's Woo! Oh, yeah. Good show, buddy. Glad uh, you're on board. Ah, uh, the pianist. We're going to have to do the, uh, the weekly uh, Peaky Blinder recap uh, on, yeah. uh, on the podcast. Yeah, May, well, maybe. Just like we did with yeah. Mad Men. Oh, so, yeah. It, yeah. It'll last a week,
0: apparently, because it's only 30, <laughs> 30 episodes, episodes out. Yeah. I got through 62 episodes of Breaking Bad. Granted, I'd seen it before, so I could have it on if I wasn't, like, paying attention. Uh, so I got through it a little quick. I got through that. Whew. That was probably two weeks. Pretty good. Okay. Pretty yeah. good. Like I didn't watch anything else really. other yeah. than hockey, I don't. I didn't it's watch like a minute of any other show. Yeah. Yeah. I came home from work and tossed it on until, unless I had something to do. Fucking crushed it.
1: Mm. Yeah. Good for
0: you, man. There, I'm, I'm gonna run out of shows by by like the 15th lockdown. I'm I'm gonna be all caught up on the history of television. So. Wow,
1: that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Good for you, man. <laughs>
0: Uh pans to Christmas 2022. There's still no vaccine. We are, are in our 16th lockdown. Hey, Brutes, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just watching uh, season four of I Love
1: Lucy. What are you doing? Not that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, t- 20 minutes Good in and we should probably get to some hockey here. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whatever. It's a <laughs> podcast. We can do whatever we want, right? Um, But um, but speaking of... of things that go on for years past its prime. Uh, Keith Yandel uh, was uh, reportedly going to be scratched in the lineup for the Florida Panthers in their game uh, yesterday. His 800 and I want to say 66 game Ironman streak was on the line. Instead, uh, he makes the lineup. Not only does he he get into the game, he goes out there, he scores his 100th career goal um, in doing so. Now, I, I should add that that's where we're at. Recording-wise, he he probably is going to go on to score a hat trick at this point, and we won't have time to talk about it because we're recording while they're playing. But, um, well, they're halfway through the third right now, okay. So we we are well, well, getting safe. close to the end of it. Maybe but, we're yeah. safe. But like, how weird was this as like a storyline? Because, like, I think there's two ways of approaching it. Like, the A the is Keith Yandel still an NHL defenseman? And like, by all accounts, uh, yes. And the other part of this was, is Keith Yandel good enough to make the Florida Panthers defense lineup? Uh, and the answer to that is also uh, yes. So I don't know where all of the, you know, drama behind him not making the lineup was coming from. Especially, like, it's one thing, like, we're talking about Patty Marlowe breaking the Gordy Howe record for games played this year. You know, Sharks are probably just throwing him a bone. They know they're going to be bad. Like, we'll put you in the lineup. You can play your 10 minutes a night kind of thing, break the record. That's one thing. That's that's kind of a, a stain on, you know, the NHL in terms of like just handing out a, uh, a record to a guy. But here's Keith Yandel, like a, a legitimate guy that is maybe going to chase down the all time Ironman streak. Being told, yeah, you're going to get scratched for the first game of the year this year. And, there's zero explanation. Like, does, does him and Quenville not get along? There doesn't seem to be any indication that that's the case. Like, where, where did this come from? Like, the guy had 45 points last year. Like, granted, that's that's a step down from the past couple. But I think at 32, if you're putting up 60-plus, you're going to take a step back eventually. He, he, he vastly improved, like, a stat that I don't love and I know you don't love. But, like, he took a big step forward in the plus-minus column last year for Florida. Like a yeah. team that was not great last year. I don't get, Like I, I don't know where this is coming from. Have, have you, have you heard anything? Have you read in, in, into any articles that might suggest like where this whole notion no. of him not playing came from? Not really.
0: I mean, it's just like the, the way that everything was worded was just that he was told that the, the team doesn't believe he's 34, by the way, that the team doesn't really have him in their future plans. I can, I can respect that. Sure. To be honest with you. Um, Because I, Keith Yandel is without a doubt an NHL defenseman still. He is slightly overpaid and slightly overrated and overused. But if Keith Yandel's on your third pairing for like three and a half million, fucking really good player to have like on your defense, you know what I mean? But I mean, like here's the thing is is Florida is becoming a more analytically driven team. Keith Yandel is not a great analytics player, but the the funny thing about that is he literally never has been. Like he's had one year in his entire well, two if you want to give him half a season. Two years in his NHL career where he's been a positive Corsi, where he's been a positive uh expected goals, like everything. You you go down the line, he he is a negative analytics player every year. But I mean if he's getting you, you know, fifty five points in a fucking limited role, like that's still pretty good though. You know what I mean? It's the same it's the same thing. Connor McDavid's also a negative player in those fucking analytics stats. But guess what? The guy gets a hundred and ninety points every 40 games. Yeah. So, like, like, you know, at some point the risk is worth the reward kind of thing. And I think Yandel's one of those guys where he's so fucking good on the power play and so good with those breakout passes. Like, he he is a uh, He's a rich man's Jake Gardner, in a way. Like, you know what I mean? He's not good defensively. He doesn't really drive the play very much, but he makes excellent passes that only a small percentage of players in the league can make. And at some point, if you want that on your back end, then you got to pay for it, kind of thing. And it's the same thing for Barry. It's the same... Like, there's several guys where it's just they're purely offensive defensemen. He handles the definitional one. If they feel like he's getting slower, though, and they, they, they want to move away from that, like, I, I can completely... I can totally respect that. It's just too to the point that you just made. Like, do they have guys pushing him out of the lineup? And like if the answer is Riley Stillman, then I
1: think we can just keep Keith Yandel in the lineup, right? Yeah, like, we're talking about a guy that had like in a full season in his career, his lowest point total is forty one points. Yeah. Like that's that's a guy you He's put in good. the lineup like and yeah. you and you maybe you put him out there with your best defensive defenseman and you just kind of pray that everything sorts itself out and again this is a guy that spent the bulk of his career in Phoenix yeah. like in, in a bad type of situation um he has one one year where he goes to the Rangers because of a trade that's nice he's on a good system there and then what does he do he signs with Florida who like don't get me wrong they've taken some steps but they're still not a consistent threat in terms of like we're not making the playoffs every year like they made it last year and they bow out in four so like he's not moving the needle a whole lot for the franchise but like he's putting up really good numbers for really bad teams throughout his entire career
0: like here's my problem with the move as a whole just just big picture if you're telling me Keith Yandel is a problem and you just willingly traded for Patrick Hornqvist a few months ago? Shut the fuck up. Wow. You you like you don't know what you're talking about here. Like it, it's it's uh, I'd rather have Keith Yandel on my defense than Patrick Hornfist anywhere in my forward lineup for roughly the same amount of money at the same age, knowing how these two players played their careers and who's going to age better. On, I'd rather have Yandel for three more for two more years. Sure. You know what I mean? Like I just if you're talking about moving in more of an analytics direction, you can't make moves that put you further back and then and then do stuff like this where I don't imagine anyone on the Panthers is super happy about that. Like Keith Yandels, uh by all reports like a super loved
1: He's the teammate captain.
0: and everything like that. Like you you saw that video of him a few years ago when they mic'd him up that's maybe one of my favorite on-ice hockey videos I've ever seen. And apparently he's just like that all the time. Yeah. Like his teammates love him. So if you're entering a season where there's not a lot of positive momentum around the franchise, there's not a lot of you know buzz around the team, and you want to get rid of a guy like that, like that doesn't help things either. Right, so right. you're right. I don't know if it's a situation with Quenville or if it's a situation with Barry Zito. Or sorry, Bill Zito. I'm going to make that mistake forever. I'm going to call him Barry Zito. Like, there's just a uh, former Oakland Athletics pitcher, now uh, Florida Panthers GM Barry Zito. Like, from a GM standpoint, yeah, it probably makes sense to get Keith Yandel off your books, not a week before the season and not like forcing him out like that. Though.
1: like, I, know, don't, I don't know how... Find a trade for him in the offseason. Like, come on. I don't know how Quinville structures his lineup. I know there's a lot of talk over the last 5 years or so about the righty lefty thing like you got to play on the right side if you're the right you know and like I know some coaches abide by that like it's the bible and, and other guys don't but if if you go down this roster for the Florida Panthers yeah they got a good right side you know Aaron Ekblad I think is a little underrated in terms of, of what he brings night in night out Anton Strawman is definitely taking a step back but whatever you want to put him on the third pair that's fine you got Radko Gudis on the second pair that's that's a great right side. Not, not, sorry, not, not a great right side. It's a good right side. It's fine. Who's on the left? G- Gustav Forsling. Mackenzie Wieger.
0: Who's technically a, a right D, but he plays the left side.
1: And the aforementioned Riley Stillman. Yeah. Or you could just put out Keith Yandel, who was on pace for 56 points last year.
0: Yeah. Weird. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like Very weird. They're. Uh... In my opinion, their blue line is, is nothing other than Ekblad and Uyghur, but if you're your third guy, if you're gonna ask me who their third guy is, it's Yandel. Yeah. So yeah. You know, Definitely. like Strawman's Strawman's pretty cooked. Goudis is cooked but still effective. You can, you can hide
1: sure. you can hide Strawman on the third pair, you can get by with Gudis on the second, I think. They technically have Strawman
0: on the second and Goudis on the third. But,
1: All right, well, then yeah. what are we talking about here? This, is, <laughs> this team doesn't know
0: what it's doing. Yeah, well, Joel Quenville, baby. Mm-hmm. Did you see his house, by the way, that he put up for sale? Yeah, that's wild. Fuck me. Oof. Wow. No more Bears games for Joe, I guess. Like, I don't know why I thought Joel Quenville lived in a house like you and I. You know what I mean? When I saw that house, I was just like, yeah, I guess he's won multiple Stanley Cups and has made tens of millions of dollars coaching hockey. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That'll happen. Guy has an Olympic gold medal.
1: Like, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Tony D'Angelo, uh, another defenseman that uh, we're going to shift our focus towards, gets scratched for the second game of the season against the New York Islanders uh, after a 4 nothing loss uh, on home ice in the uh, home opener. Two of those very same New York Islanders. Um, the Rangers go out in Game 2, and they shut the door. They flip the script on the Islanders. They win 5 nothing. So clearly the offensive defenseman's presence wasn't needed in the route. And there's, there's a bit of a conflicting narrative here. Uh, I've seen some places that are talking about this is a, you know, a result of the unsportsmanlike penalty that he took in game one. Um, And then there's like the elephant in the room where we sit here and talk about Tony D'Angelo, the Trump supporter and whether or not that is having an impact on his role within the organization. Um, look, I know nothing about Dan Quinn on a political level. I know nothing about Mr. Gordon. To the point where you don't even know his name because it's David Quinn. There it is. <laughs> there. Look how much I know about I this I forget guy. about
0: it all the time, too. Yeah. I forget what his name is.
1: But, like, I think at the end of the day, like, we can sit here and say that this is a team that plays in New York, uh, a pretty progressive state by all accounts, it makes you wonder, I think, is what we're trying to get out here by, by talking about this guy. Um, now look, he's probably going to play in Game 3, and this is going to become a non-issue, and we'll never hear this mentioned again for the rest of the season. He learned his lesson. He had a, 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 a weird moment. Slap on the wrist. Let's move on. Let's play hockey. And that's usually how hockey handles these things, where we just say, you did something bad, we're not going to punish you, we're not going to reward you, but if we can all just play hockey now and not talk about the issues. Um, That's, like I said, probably what's going to happen here, but um, it was a weird move like for a team that doesn't have a star-studded blue line to go out there and make the choice to sit a guy that, as you mentioned before we recorded, had 53 points in 68 games last year. Could this be the beginning of the end for him in New York, or... Is that way too premature? I, I think the
0: beginning of the end has kind of already started, but it's just how soon is the end? I I don't know. Like I I think they've been working on. Uh, I think they've been unhappy with Tony D'Angelo for a while, but the fact of the matter is, is that the guy's a pretty decent defenseman on a team that, as you alluded to, doesn't have a ton of them. Um, specifically any that can play on the left side. And he's a righty that can move to the left side. So he's fairly valuable to them in that sense. But, I mean, this is a guy who, fuck, how how old is he now? I don't have it in front of me. Is he 24? 25. 25. And this is a guy we've been talking about having attitude issues since he was 18. Like, it's one of those things, right, where, you know, not, not that it's the same situation, but just like, we've been talking about Josh Hosang for how many years kind of thing. And like, he doesn't even get an opportunity, but by all accounts seems to want one. Whereas you got a guy here who gets all the opportunity in the world and doesn't seem to want to look inward at any point here. So um, I, I've seen little to no growth from him. And I think the Rangers are uh, frustrated with that point because the, the Rangers, unfortunately are not a team that have the benefit of just uh, Sweeping things under the rug like they're they're one of the few teams in the league where every single thing that every single one of their players does is under a giant microscope and um, you know, if he's going to continue to be a certain way off the ice, then they're not going to have much of uh, marketability on the player and eventually he's just going to get run out of town, um, perhaps for good reasons rather than when players get run out of town for bad reasons with certain teams. I I think that it's probably not going to end well. But when it's gonna end, I don't know. He he might play there for another few years, for all I know. But it's certainly the one thing like to comment on just the incident itself. Like I didn't actually see the the incident. Um, I've seen the minor penalty he took, but I didn't see the actual unsportsmanlike. But when I first read that, you know, how often do guys go to the box and slam the fucking door and yell at the ref and call them every name in the book and all that shit? how often do they ever get an unsportsmanlike penalty? To me, like, my first thought was, was that justified? If it was justified, great. If it wasn't justified, how much of that was what he actually said versus it being a ref seeing Tony D'Angelo and just saying, fuck, fuck this, like, I'm not taking this. You know, because they have all they have all the right to do that. The, the refs oh, can yeah. hand out as many fucking unsportsmanlike penalties as they want. The NHL could tell them to hand out more but the refs already let so many blatant calls go in a game that they can't start calling on sportsman-like penalties because it would just be a 60-minute power play at that point. You know what I mean? The amount of uncalled shit in the game today, it's back to not quite the level of 2004, but comparable in the sense where it's like, how many times a game do you see just a blatant slash, but, oh, there's four minutes left, so we're, the whistles are put away, you
1: know? And, like, worth mentioning, too, that this was not the first unsportsmanlike conduct penalty of the game. Um, interesting the first of which came against Brendan Lemieux <laughs> so I don't know I don't want to read too much into the narrative of what that yeah. particular referee was thinking that night but um, yeah I don't know it's just it, it's it's worth talking about it it's worth having the conversation and like I think another aspect of this is like again I don't want to dive too deep into like the well, what ifs and speculation and all this but like uh you think like how easy is it being Andre miller in that dressing room right now yeah. like that's gotta be pretty uncomfortable yeah, there i would imagine are,
0: there are several guys on that team that have been vocal like biden supporters too and yep. like it just sort of makes me wonder like you know what like lundquist is a guy like he's not there anymore but doesn't exactly think the same way as tony d'angelo and so
1: a lot of ruskies too
0: yeah, like, you know, yeah, I don't want to start analyzing what everyone <laughs> may or may not think on that team, but, um like, it's just it makes for a divisive room when you have several guys who are so far one way and, uh like, okay, like, and so far uh the other way, like, Jacob Truba has been very vocal of being like a Biden supporter and, right. you know, like, uh, by all accounts, a good person. So, um yeah, it's it, it makes for a divisive environment in the room. Um, Lemieux, like, Lemieux just a guy. He just, he can't, he can't cut it, really. Eventually, he's just not, he just won't be there. Mm-hmm. But D'Angelo's a good enough player where they can't really just afford to fucking throw him away for nothing unless he really fucks up. And, you know, is what he's doing, you know, grounds for getting him off the team? It, it really depends how you value things, and I... I I don't know. I'm going
1: to be interested to see how the Rangers handle it. So, yeah, we'll have to uh, keep a close watch on the Rangers and how they proceed with Tony D'Angelo the rest of the season. It's hard to think that, it'd be weird to think that another team would actively pursue bringing him into the lineup knowing uh, everything we know about him and his personality issues going back to, like you said, when he was 18 years old. But this is the NHL, and uh, someone in the Old Boys Club, I'm sure, will. Like, here's the keep thing, though,
0: I haven't heard any stories about him being like an openly shitty teammate recently, though. You know what I mean? Like, he he was an openly shitty teammate when he was a kid. And there was always talk about, like, oh, he's never going to play in the NHL. And he's a name, like, I'm still shocked every time I see him in an NHL lineup that he actually made it. Because the talk was, like, you know, there was talk he was not even going to be a first-round pick despite being a top-five talent at the time because of his off-ice issues kind of thing of just being a, you know, a pain in the ass. But I don't know that he's a guy who carries himself in a way where, you know, he makes the lineup or makes the dressing room negatively for sure. You know or so sorry. I don't know if he brings negativity around the dressing room for sure. You know what I mean? Like I don't know that. He might be the type of guy who keeps all of this to himself. When he's actually at the rink and in the room and with the guys and doesn't bring up any of this. And then when he takes the internet, his thumbs get a little heavy and, you know, he feels the need to express everything. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that he is an openly shitty teammate. I do know for a fact that they have another player on their roster that I know for a fact, firsthand, is a shitty teammate. So it wouldn't surprise me if they have several. (laughs) That's all. You know what I
1: mean? Part the course. So, so
0: is the end, like, is he a guy who maybe they don't want for image reasons, but another team takes him in and he is, you know, fine. Like they're willing to live with all that shit. That's possible. So
1: I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see. Um, another uh, subject that we're going to have to wait and see on is uh, pierre luc Dubois Ooh. and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, he, he wants out. We, we touched on that uh, last episode. Now, There's been some growing speculation, uh, especially because uh, P has come out and said so himself, that the uh, Montreal Canadiens might be a landing spot for Mr. Dubois' services. He wants to go there. Uh, Obviously, there's some cap shenanigans that might uh, get in the way of this. Um, But I think on paper, it would make for a pretty smart fit for the Habs if they could bring in a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois, Depending on what they're giving back. Because apparently the ask is pretty high uh, from Jarmo Kekalainen. And uh, I don't think the Habs are all that interested in moving one of Nick Suzuki or Alexander Romanov. And I don't blame them. Yeah. (laughs) Is, is, Is the Habs somewhere you think he should go in terms of the grand picture of the NHL? Or is that just him being a wishful... You know, good French boy that wants to go play for his, so his favorite team.
0: The Habs would be smart to acquire Dubois. They'd be smart to do it at just about any cost. But I don't, I don't think I would move Romanov. I'm not quite that hard pressed to say the same thing about Suzuki. But I, I wouldn't trade Romanov. For the simple fact that they uh, have drafted so many good defensive prospects over the years and either done nothing to develop them or they were straight up a bust. Russian prospects. Or them away. (laughs) And look, I can't name another defensive prospect in their system other than Caden Gooley that I know is going to play NHL games. You know what I mean? Like, they have guys who might get there. They might develop into into that. They might be high on a lot of these guys. But the only other guy I know that's going to play in the NHL is Caden Gooley. And we don't know how good he's going to be. Whereas we've watched Romanov play. We know he's going to be there. We know he's going to stick around. Unless he goes back to the KHL for money reasons or something. Or asks out of Montreal for separate reasons. But for now, everything's good. So I wouldn't trade him because that blue line is old as shit and very, very slow, and literally any night could just turn... Like, the bottom might just fall out on that blue line at any given moment. It's <laughs> it's teetering over the edge of a fucking cliff right now. But when it's good, it looks pretty good. So uh, my point is that, you know, Romanov might be uh, and probably is the future of that blue line as soon as probably two years from now. Um... Suzuki's a different one in that and it's one of he's one of the players that's come up and it's one of the few situations where I genuinely will take a step back and say that it's not really for me to decide because personally, I don't see anything out a Nick Suzuki that amazes me, but I don't watch Montreal. Uh, I haven't seen enough from Nick Suzuki to actually make an educated um, call on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't see what Habs fans see, because they watch him way more than I do. Uh, When I've seen him, which is usually just against the Leafs, uh, other than the other night, I haven't seen anything. I haven't fucking noticed him at all. Uh, But from what I'm told, he's the second coming of Jesus Christ. So uh, should they trade him? It sounds like no, but I don't know that for sure. Um, Montreal's in a situation right now. Where they look like they can win with the roster they've got, um, I don't know. I don't really know how, but but it looks like they're going to be able to actually be pretty damn good this year. So, do they need Dubois? Like, does Dubois make them that much better? Yeah, but is it worth giving up Suzuki and Romanov at a chance to to maybe win the cup this year? Like like they seem pretty confident that they can do it with the roster they've got right now, and I don't agree. I would rather have a guy that, by all scouts' accounts, is, like, a year away from being Sean Couturier or Patrice Bergeron. Like, that that's what people seem to think about Dubois. If you put him in the right situation, that's how fucking good he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would tend to agree. And if Montreal can find a centerman like that to play in the same division as Austin Matthews, yeah, they should probably do that. But, eh, it looks like they're doing pretty good right now with Phil Deneau and... Um, Yep. I, I'm not even doing yep. a bit. The I actually one. forgot. <laughs> I actually forget who else they have at center, but philosophically, it probably doesn't make sense. But he would hands down be, you know, probably the best forward on the team if they were to acquire him.
1: You know, interestingly enough, well, Suzuki and Dubois had very similar numbers last year. Um One wears fourteen. One wears eighteen. Forty-nine points for Dubois. Hey, in the season, 41 points for Suzuki in the season last year. They both had pretty good playoff runs, like uh, 10 games each. You know, they're offensive contributors for their teams. Like, they're less than a year apart in age. I I don't know. Like, I I think Dubois is the better choice for the Habs simply because he can be a first or second line center on this team. Whereas Nick Suzuki, as good as he's going to be, or could be I should say is still you know best case a top six winger and we know the old you know conversation when it comes to the Habs is that they don't have a center and they haven't had a center since Saku Koyvo left and like yeah we can try to make Nick Suzuki into a centerman but here's Pierre well, Du too right like that's right. The thing
0: I don't know if they want to play him anyway.
1: Yeah they haven't been Keep going. but like Here's Pierre-Luc Dubois, a guy that has been a number one center for the past, what do you want to call it, at least two years. Um, maybe three. It's Montreal. It's a different animal. It's a brighter spotlight. You know, he's a Habs fan growing up, Dubois. So it's not. I'm not going to sit here and say that he could come in and do the job and, and be just as, bit as good as he is in Columbus as he would be in Montreal, but... I think that there's a brighter upside for the Habs to bring in a guy that can play a role that they just don't have a guy doing currently. And Nick Suzuki, in my opinion, is a hell of a hockey player. Um, I I don't think you're going to lose out either way as a Habs fan if you stick with the guy or if you flip him for a guy like Dubois. But to me, you're right. Like Philip Deneau is the only centerman you can come up with. So. At worst
0: this trade is going to be the early stages of Weber for Subban. Where you sure. might you 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 might be giving up the player with the higher ceiling, but at its absolute worst, you are acquiring a guy that scouts think is about sixty games away from being like a top ten centerman in the National Hockey League. Mm-hmm. So I think this trade's going to come down to what Mark Bergevin sees in Dubois, and I got to be honest with you, that's not a bad thing. Like, like I think that Mark Bergevin has made a lot of trades that, as soon as they happen, looked like fucking disasters, and a lot of them have worked out recently. Mm. Like Nick Suzuki is one of the guys they got for Max Pacioretty. And one of the other guys they got is the best fucking player on their team in Thomas Tatar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right, right, But when that trade happened, it's like, ugh, like that's all you could get. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it, and it worked out where they won that trade. Mm,
2: yeah. So yeah.
0: It, it's one of those things where, again, like we ripped Bergevin for Anderson for from Domi. And, you know, like they were probably getting the better player, but I was more so just worried about how that contract was going to work out. And we don't know for sure, but through a few games, he looks pretty damn good. And at least in the short term is worth that money. So if if you're telling me that he makes that trade, I don't know. Like, I, I'm willing to bet that it works out. That's that's all I'm saying.
1: And I, I'm glad you brought up Anderson because it's, it's worth touching on the fact that him and Dubois, like, they go back to Columbus yeah. together. Like They had some magic there for, yeah. for a year. That's not to say that Josh Anderson needs him in Montreal. Like I think he's off to a hot start. You know, We'll see how long that lasts. But if, if you brought in a Pierre-Luc Dubois, and even if they're not on the same line, and you get to game 42, and you're sitting fifth out of the four teams that got up, well, you know what? Fuck it. Let's, let's throw the boys back together, see if there's any magic in the tank. That's, that's something that you can go to if you have them, as opposed to, I can't if yeah. I don't.
0: It's kind of the beauty of this season, right? Like, do they need Dubois to be a cup contender this year? Like, at this point, I would say no, because it does look like they're going to be, like, a top-two team in the Canadian division. And that's not an easy road, but also, in another sense, a pretty easy road to maybe get to the conference final, which is halfway to the Stanley Cup. Mm -hmm. So, like, do they need him to really move the needle this year? I don't know. And then if you trade for Dubois now you know, versus a year from now, like who, who, a year from now, who knows how all this works out? Like maybe Nick Suzuki is a top 10 center a year from now. Like, uh, you know, who knows? He might pop off for 80 points this year for all we know. Yeah. And then, you know, you look back on it a year from now and say Dubois has a down year and it's like, fuck, why would we have ever traded Nick Suzuki for Dubois? But, you know, all we, all we have is the benefit of what we see right now. I don't really think Nick Suzuki is going to be an incredible centerman and i think Dubois is pretty close to being one so he's just steadily gotten better so that's a good sign if they're going to trade for him and you know he's been in the league for a while he's not uh, 28 or anything though that's another right. thing right he's pretty fucking
1: young yeah so the other thing to consider too it's a weird year um how do either of these teams feel about trading cross border because i think like like you talked about the montreal Canadiens they look like they can be a top two, top three team in this division. And if they pull the trigger on a guy that they think is going to help them down the stretch, yeah, we'll take the 10, 14-day waiting period before he can join us and we'll, you know, you know, eat our losses and, and, and whatever it is because we think we're going to be better in the long term. Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, this is not a team that has anywhere near a lock to hold down a spot in the playoffs like – You you know you got to contend with Tampa Bay and Carolina, who I think are at the very top of this division. But breathing down your neck is Dallas, Florida, Nashville, and I think Columbus is in a position to grab a playoff spot out of those you know three teams. But you lose Dubois, and then you don't get the guy that is replacing him for call it a week or two. It yeah. might be that close. It might be that close. It's a fifty-six game schedule. This, this, we could see a, a two, a single point difference when, on the last day of the season, right? So, I think if if you're Blue Columbus,
0: Jacket, Blue Jackets, not exactly light in the world on fire. no, out the gate here, you know. Either, so. I think
1: if you're Columbus, you're better off looking somewhere within the U.S. and saying, how much time are we going to save with having this guy playing, you know? right away as opposed to having to wait possibly two weeks before he gets in the lineup. It's just another wrinkle that, you know, the COVID season is adding to us. And, uh, I I wonder if it doesn't play a role. Does Columbus hang on to him and, and take a look at where are we at the trade deadline and then make a decision. Who's to say.
0: I think this is my first beer of the season on the podcast. I don't think I've had one yet this year. So. Well,
1: you've been uh, working man on Mondays, yeah. so it's, it's been tough. Yeah, we record
0: on Sunday nights, so it's it's a little difficult. I uh, For anyone who's worried about it, I'll be hitting the piss for the 100th episode, though. I'll tell you that. Wow, there it is. Yeah,
1: wow. No. Uh, Jacob Voracek might have been hitting the piss in his last <laughs> interview uh, with Mike Stelski? Stelski? Stel- uh, S- S- Something like that. Some, some I, I, unknown, I, I think it's Selski, Sielski, something like that. Some unknown reporter in, in Philadelphia. Um, Mick, Mick Steelsky. This, uh, for anyone that may uh, in Canada be more uh, acquainted with the Austin Matthews Steve Simmons interview from a couple months ago. Same idea. Uh, this guy, Mike, comes into the interview Asks Voracek a pretty standard question about, like, you know, how, how is life in the new NHL with COVID and everything. And uh, Jacob Voracek does not hold back and uh, proceeds to call him a piece of shit. And I wasn't going to answer your question because you've been pretty shitty to me in the last, you know. And as a guy that doesn't uh, exactly follow the inner workings of the Philadelphia media, media scene, um, apparently this guy's been pretty shitty to Jacob Voracek over the years. Uh, and isn't exactly his biggest fan. So um, a seemingly harmless question turns into a hilarious moment, uh, uh, only fueled by the fact that Travis Konechny is sitting there choking on uh, water, not uh, wanting to laugh out loud in the middle of this interview. Mm -hmm. He is, in my opinion, the true star of this clip, but uh, still worth mentioning uh, Jacob Voracek calling out a media member as a piece of shit. Big fan. Um, Two games in, Jake. How different does the season feel, if at all, given the circumstances of the offseason and the condensed schedule and everything? Doesn't matter what I say, Mike. You're going to write fucking shit every time. It doesn't matter what you say. Uh, Yeah, it feels different. I mean, we got four points after the first two games. Uh, I I wasn't even going to answer your question because you are such a weasel, it's not even funny. Next question.
0: Um, Yeah. Like the, there, there's been a lot of conversation about um, whether or not Voracek is right to do that, and uh, you can't do it all the time. This isn't a card that that uh, is going to work for you if you do it all the time in the NHL. Like it's just they're not going to put up with it. See now, but I'm curious why not? Um, I mean, it, it just it creates larger issues first off for. Um, The team you play for not going to want you to do that because uh, the more you do that, the more negative coverage the team is going to get, the worse it is for your image in terms of your marketability for young fans. Um, It's just not something that you would tolerate at an organizational level if it happens all the time. Uh, If I'm his general manager right now, and he did that, now now that we know... Uh, someone wrote an article going back to like where this stems from and everything like that. I'm perfectly fine with it. Like I don't care if if guys do it every once in a while. Um, it's the same reason why, you know, I loved Phil Castle in Toronto, and it, it probably was had more to do with his uh, demise in Toronto than people really want to admit. But I was also raised not to take shit from people, and and I certainly wouldn't if I were a professional athlete at all. Uh, when your whole job is to not take shit on the ice, why would you take it off the ice either, right? So, um, knowing that Mike Selsky said that the uh, the Flyers should trade Jake Voracek for um, a now deceased for, like, 25-year uh, singer Kate Smith, that was, like, the tweet that Selsky made about Voracek. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would piss me off, considering it's someone who's been uh, cancelled for racial overtones in her music. Yeah, not not the best comparison to make, my guy. Like, <laughs> like that's that would set me off, too. I probably would have said exactly what Jake Borchek yeah. said. Borchek's a guy who um, hasn't had a super public incident like this, but is a guy who, it's been reported, is a bit of a feisty personality. So I wasn't really shocked to see him. Be a guy who won't take it, uh, but good for him. I don't. I don't think that you should have to take shit from the media all the time. For sure. Um, if someone genuinely pisses you off to that level, you should let them know.
1: Yeah, and then, like the reason I ask is because like obviously teams don't want their star players coming out and dropping f bombs and, and whatever else during that's interviews. And that's that's not a deal. No, you're right, and and that is probably where Vorchek went wrong. But but my thing is is like. I'm not sitting here saying that you got to like every reporter that comes in the dressing room to interview you, right? Like, you just might not like Kyle Bukowskis. right? You just might not like him for whatever (laughs) reason. Bad example. Bad example.
0: No. No. (laughs) I can't think of who it is, but there's an NHL player who got into it with Bukowskis. Okay. Oh, it's Brad Marchand. Sure. I can't remember exactly what the incident was, but there is, there is a guy, it's Brad Marchand, that doesn't like Kyle Bukowskis. So I shouldn't laugh that hard. You're right. I guess that is a hateable guy. Right. All right. Say you don't like Kyle so, Bukowskis. I do. I so missed, so may,
1: maybe you don't like Kyle Bukowskis because he's like 17 years old. Right. He's great. He's for whatever TV reason, for you guys years. don't see eye to eye, but you as a professional athlete, you bite your tongue. He asks you the question, yada, yada, yada. You get through it. It's a guy that works for Sportsnet, big partner with the NHL, right? But who's keeping the yeah. media members in check? Yeah, because if Kyle Bukowskis is coming in every no, day right. and writing Brad Marchand's a piece of shit and he's a rat and he shouldn't be playing hockey, and then he wants to ask you five questions at the end of um, every game or, or whatever it is, and you got to sit there and listen to this guy who trashes you every second he gets, and his boss won't do anything about it, and your boss won't do anything about it. Like, w- what's the end game here? Like we saw it with Steve Simmons in the summer. With the whole Austin Matthews has COVID thing, releasing all this personal information, and he asks a question uh, uh, of the Leaf superstar, and and Matthews sits there and he doesn't every drop the f bomb, right? He doesn't he I doesn't have he doesn't have the language, which is I think that's a, the right way to handle it, but he flat out says to him, you know, like I I don't like you asking me the question. Thought it was pretty disrespectful what you did. Rolls his eyes, gets around of you know answering this guy's question. It's like at what point do we have to sit here as, like a league and say that you know the Toronto Sun isn't gonna do anything about this guy like why are we letting him harass our players? Why are we letting him talk about uh hey has anybody heard of Alexander Karpatsev? What happened to that guy? Yeah man, he died a few years ago in a plane crash. Yeah. Like wake the fuck up. This this Mike Stelsky guy, I don't even fucking care to learn his name. Like, wake the fuck up. Like what are you doing? You want to come out here and write articles about trading a guy for a dead singer in Philadelphia uh, Flyers lore like holy fuck buddy what do you
0: expect hey i'm going to sit here and answer your question now in, in mike selsky's defense the flyers are 101 wins 29 losses and 12 ties under kate smith so
1: right you know maybe that's the last piece of the puzzle yeah, yeah i'm sure she had a, a lethal one timer in the slot <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah you know you know what like i i honestly agree with you it, it's um, when i say that you know, we can't make a habit out of this. Uh, there's only so much of me that actually does think that, though. Like, I, I understand how it's a slippery slope if this happens all the time. Right? Yeah. However, uh, Marshawn Lynch came out for every single interview for years and years and years, being one of the face of this sport, and wouldn't say anything. Literally. Wouldn't give you a quote. I'm just here so I don't get fined and all that shit. And I genuinely failed to find an explanation where I believe in my heart that he shouldn't have done Like, yeah, it's not great for the team. Um, It doesn't help writers want to put a positive spin on the Seahawks when one of their players doesn't give them any content, doesn't give them any access wastes their time, which is the one thing that I I completely understand. But as someone who uh, writes about hockey, I I really can't fault these guys for not wanting to talk to the media. Mm -hmm. I would probably be one of the most inconsistent people at answering fucking questions if I played in the NHL. There are times where I couldn't give a fuck about the story you're writing. I don't want to talk about it at all. Like, there are times where I would love it and I would be like Joe Thornton and I would have tons of fun. But there are like I can sympathize with these guys 100%. Where you're getting paid so much money, and I understand part of that pay is to put up with this part of the job. But I don't know that there's any amount of money that could make me want to fucking talk about right. my stick tape at two o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon when I'm trying to go home for my pregame nap or something like that. And like, but I got to sit here with James Myrtle instead. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to fucking do that either. Like yeah. I get it. Yeah. Right. You and know, like, like I like. I I defend Phil Kessel because Phil Kessel didn't do it to all the reporters. Phil Kessel would do it to Dave Festchuk, he would do it to Steve Simmons. I think there was one more guy, it might have been Damian Cox, where he wouldn't talk to them. But if but if she wasn't there, but like if Kristen if Mark Masters came down and was asking questions, like he would take time to talk to him. Like again, he's not the most chatty guy. But he wouldn't tell him to fuck off like he would tell Dave Festchuk literally to fuck off get out of my fucking face. Yeah, like I get it. festchuk has been writing article after article week after week about running you the fuck out of town. It's the same situation with Voracek. Like this Selsky guy has been after Voracek for whatever reason for years. And Voracek has just since become not an elite winger in the last 18 months or so. And now it's maybe like trade Jake Voracek territory. But like writing about it when he was putting up, like, 75 points in the season. Like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, you, you can't find anything else to write about with this team. It's, it's always got to be a big trade. That's that's all you can think
1: of. You're just a fucking shitty journalist then. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know anything about this Stilsky guy. Writer. Like, right? not a journalist. You're a writer. Then. Where he works. Like, maybe he works for the only fucking local media outlet that covers the Flyers. I don't know. Um... I know what I know, so I talk about it. And I didn't want you to turn this into like a Steve Simmons thing, but like, at some point, as a club, as an organization, if you've got the Toronto Sun sending the same guy to your press conferences that are writing the same shitty pieces about your superstar players, yeah, like I'm, I'm, the, I'm the Leafs. I'm, I'm, Brendan Shanahan. I'm, I'm whoever. Uh, yeah, no thanks. Yeah. You guys stay home. Oh, well, how, someone, oh how come? How come? Uh, we're no, our son. We're, we're a big publisher. Okay, then send somebody else yeah. because I don't want this guy coming in here. Like, why do you think I'm saying no? Your you guy comes in here. This is a, the local team, and you're writing these fucking, like, shame articles about our guys that are eating hot dogs and getting COVID. Like, wake up. I can't, I can't say it enough.
0: No, I, like, but you, you said it before, too. We didn't really go into that. But, but what you're saying, too, is, like, who is going to hold these guys accountable? Because a lot of cases, it's not, it's not the case for every hockey writer. So on the off chance that there's, like, an actual, like, professional hockey writer association member listening to this, I'm not saying all of them fall into this category. But there is a large problem in every sport, in every job. But there is a problem with the writers where it's just this big circle jerk. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> At some point, like the Steve Simmons defenders and his mentions and, and the silent members of the media too, where they don't, like they just, Steve Simmons can say whatever they want and all of a sudden all of his colleagues are silent and none of his colleagues call him out. It's everyone else on Twitter and none of his colleagues have anything to say about him all of a sudden, right? That's that's part of the problem. Is It's just where, you know, Steve Simmons can call out Paul Ross and you know, be like, I'm an award-winning journalist, who the fuck are you kind of thing. And then a week later, today, tweet, uh, as Bob McKenzie once said, if I wanted to study math, I would have been an accountant. No one told us we would have to understand these weird pandemic salary cap restrictions and permutations in order to cover hockey. Then quit! Aren't you a fucking award-winning journalist that you brag about all the time? Are you an award-winning journalist or aren't you? Pick a fucking answer. The guy is such a fucking chud. And he can't, like, he, he can't even pick a lane. He has no idea what he's doing. He's so far out of his depth and has been for years. And it's the same thing with Selsky. It's the same thing with Car- Sam Karachidi. It's the same thing with Damien Cox, with Mark Spector, with all these guys, where it's like, you know, like, do I, do I think I'm a better writer than they are? Yeah, I actually do. And I've written jack shit, pretty much. You know what I mean? Like, I actually do think I know more about covering the sport than they do. Because I got a guy on here who's complaining about the salary cap that's existed for 15 years, how he uh, shouldn't have to know how to cover it.
1: Yeah, COVID's tough. I
0: get it. But, like,
1: figure it out. You want to do this job? Like, your job is to literally go and hang out with the Toronto Maple Leafs and watch their hockey games and then write about it.
0: Uh, The first thing... (laughs) that Elliot Friedman said the first minute he was given the opportunity to talk after Nick Robertson got hurt last night was that, yeah, the Leafs are going to have to get a little creative here with their salary cap. Now there are a few things that fall into play. How do you not immediately just take to cap friendly and start trying to figure out what those problems are. And then instead of today acting like you got fucking caught off guard, you actually would have known these problems that we were heading into today with for the one
1: job that you have which is to cover this fucking hockey team. The other thing, too, about that, like, to build off your point, is that if – if okay, say your name wasn't Steve piece of shit Simmons. Um, if, if you all of a sudden covered the Leafs and Nick Robertson gets hurt and now you have to talk about um, the cap implications of that injury and it's a COVID season with new rules during a pandemic, you could probably just come out and be honest and be like – hey, yeah, so I don't really get it, <laughs> yeah. but here's what I think. And sure. that was that's going to cause a lot less issues than, like, freaking out about, oh, I don't have to be a fucking PhD mathematician to, to know how to write about the Leafs. Like, just don't worry about it, bro. Like, so just fucking write about what you know. Here, and...
0: Here's what I would have done as someone who's had, uh, like, several creative writing classes and no other training. First thought, I'd probably ask around. There it is. So it kind of makes you wonder why Steve Simmons doesn't have anyone to ask. Oh, he's got no one to ask. Right? Yeah. Like, how many bridges
1: has the guy burned where he oh he couldn't even go that route? Well, your first mistake is thinking that he would ask. But, um, yeah, there's, there's no bridges to Simmons Island, I can tell you that. <sighs> wow, I'm heated up. You're heated up
0: too, eh? Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, they, uh, do I think Jake Voracek should have called out Mike Selsky? Sure. Yeah, fuck that guy. I don't Mike even know S- him, but... Like, anyone who was reading Mike Selsky before is going to continue reading him now. And anyone who wasn't reading him before, he might get some new listeners out of it, new readers out of sure. this. Sure. Like, he didn't... and This and, doesn't ruin Mike Selsky's career. If yeah. anything, there are tons of people who now know who he is that had no idea he existed three days ago.
1: Right. Right? And maybe, this like, bad, him, bro, maybe him either. and like Shane Bear are like really good buddies yeah. and like they, they hit it off and like every interview is a, a win. Like, sometimes you're just gonna interview or meet the one guy that you just don't click with. And I'm not saying that this guy should lose his job over it, it's just like, yeah, wake up and realize that if you're gonna ask a guy in a media scrum a question that you have for years bashed, maybe you don't expect a fucking straight answer or an no. answer at all. And I think that's where we're headed. You ever wonder
0: how Elliot Friedman got to be like the hockey guy and why everyone seems to like him? It's not because that's just the position he got put in, right? Like, how did he get to that point? He was literally a sideline reporter 10 years ago. And now he is like the the Adam Schefter, the Adrian Wojnarowski of hockey. Mm -hmm. How did he get there? He did everything the right way. He didn't go outside of his ethics and report something he shouldn't have reported. The odd time he did, he apologized for it. Anytime he's made a mistake on the air, he's apologized for it. He does his due diligence before he reports something before he puts an opinion out there. If he says something that maybe they should trade a guy, he prefaces it with, "Look, I don't know everything and I don't, you know, but here's here's what I do know." And then and then like he's just He's so respectful about the way he goes about it, and a lot of these guys are not, and it's just, that's fine if that's the way you want to do your job, but don't don't look around and be like, what happened when the rug gets pulled out from under you? That's yeah, my biggest exactly. thing. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, Steve Simmons acting confused all the time as to why everyone's in his mentions. How, how much more evidence do we need to give you, bro? Like, mm-hmm. There's like a 65 tweet thread of all the dumb shit you've said over the years. You know, that's why.
1: Uh, Any other thoughts on the opening week, like, wrap up? Like, I I know we just spent a lot of time talking about specific players. Uh, Yeah, we didn't actually actually talk about any of the games. Right, some trade (laughs) options, you know, Um, Ironman streaks, mega supporters, uh, third-string goaltenders. It's been a pretty interesting episode. But um, Mm -hmm. just from a purely, you know, expectation basis of of what you thought the year was going to look like, we're – Two to three games in, depending on what team you're following, unless you're the Dallas Stars. <clears throat>
0: uh, yeah, I, I would have figured that the Stars would have lost more games by now. Um, the the Blackhawks look awful. Like, just pitiful. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kubalik played, like, two minutes in the first period tonight, and Jeremy Jeremy Colleton just got a contract extension. That's got to be fun there for the Blackhawks fans. Hey, that's good stuff.
1: Yeah. Uh, Good stuff. A reminder to all that I took the Red Wings to not finish last and that Discover Central Division. Um, right. Yeah,
0: we should be referring to. Yeah,
1: oh, please do
0: to all that. All
1: that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like
0: uh, Nashville's won two games, but they they they've been over the Blue Jackets, so I'm not getting too uh, too excited there. I don't really know that there's been anything that I've been super shocked by. I mean, I think. Uh, it's always funny when you have a guy come over from Russia and they're like, Yeah, this guy's really good and everyone's like, Yeah, but how good is he really? Because you've had your Holy your Shipachovs yeah. and like even Gusev came over and he like Gusev's good. But he's like they said he's an ex Panarin. He ain't no fucking Panarin, let me tell you that.
1: Who who was Buddy that was but, uh,
0: on Vegas there for like four,
1: oh was it Shipachov? Shipachov,
0: okay. yeah. Yeah, two two games. Uh, he played total eight minutes in the NHL. I think he even scored a goal, but that was it um but yeah uh kabrizov wow he he might be a
1: top 10 winger in the league (laughs) like he's fucking unbelievable (laughs) so there was a year i'm gonna say about four years ago i was in the middle of a fantasy draft round eight or nine and i picked a guy by the name of austin matthews and everyone was like ha 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 and then i made the playoffs (laughs) and uh I didn't make the playoffs a lot back then. And it was mainly because this guy scored 40 goals as a fucking rookie. And I learned a little lesson. So the last um, round of drafting that we did about a week ago, uh, I picked you know Tim Stutzel. I'm a big fan. I I don't think it's going to pay off this year, but I I just love the kid. I want to follow him. I picked Lafreniere because he was there. Okay, first overall pick. Why not? And I took Kuro Kaprizov, not because he's a fucking rookie, but because uh, I think that – between him coming in after so long playing in the KHL against men and joining a Minnesota team that, by all accounts, doesn't have a player of his caliber, um, and having to... Can play, confirm. Like, and and he's going to play a third of his season against the California teams? Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, Love this kid. Actually, and speaking of which, too, though... Um...
0: It's not that, again, like, I don't necessarily think that the Wild are going to be great. And I don't think that they looked any different, really, than I thought they were going to the first two games, aside from Capriza. I did actually watch a good chunk of both those games. I went back and watched the first game uh, because I was bored the other day. And then I watched watched, uh, the second game there the other night. And uh, the Kings actually look pretty decent um like they lost both games they lost them both in overtime uh but they yeah, they so got two points they look so yeah they got two points so but they actually look solid too that was one team where I was pleasantly surprised I know I talked about it about how I thought they might be able to grind out some points and they might be able to like I had Anaheim fifth in that division but I said I could see la and I guess I could see the wild even going there but um like Villalardi looks good Doughty. Still doesn't look great, but, um, yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised with them as a unit. I don't know if anyone really uh, stood out, but um, the Wild were the better team, but I would say it was, it was pretty marginal. Like, I thought the Kings looked all right. You know, they're making a lot of good plays.
1: Right, yeah. Uh, that's a fair assessment. Like, I think they're only going to get better from here on out. And uh... I have watched
0: every minute of the Canadian division other than the Canadians at Oilers game from the other night. Mm. every minute seen the whole thing
1: that's, that's actually pretty impressive because lo- two of them overlapped yeah <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i went back and watched like the first period too and wow. yeah yeah it's gonna be a good fucking i'm year. loving it yeah. like i'm <laughs> i i am way more interested in that division than i really thought it was gonna be i i thought i wasn't really gonna care that it was an all canadian division but like every night you turn on the tv and it's like well. Couple
1: Canadian teams are playing. It's like, well, i got to watch this, <laughs> you know? Um, just going down the standings list real quick here. Uh, we always talked about the Chicago Blackhawks looking real bad. Columbus Blue Jackets start going through the Pierre-Luc Dubois fiasco. The Dallas Stars have yet to play a game because of COVID reasons. That leaves one other team that has yet to register a point in the standings. The Buffalo Sabres. Um, I watched... Their second game of the season against the Washington Capitals. Okay,
0: that's one team. They're one of the few teams left on the list. I haven't watched I I haven't even watched a highlight of hmm. Buffalo yet. I don't think. I,
1: I watched their game against Washington. Um, uh, first off, Taylor Hall fitting in real nice. Yeah, nice. L- looking okay. looking, I'm looking happy real to hear good. That. Um, but like this is a team that I thought was going to take a step forward on an, on like an overall basis, but being stuck in a tough division. It's like, how far forward can we go? So, like, I'm already so excited for Taylor Hall trade deadline 2.0. <laughs> because he he looks so good. He's playing, like, there's, there's such chemistry with Eichel. The two of them are just clicking right from the get-go. No training camp, like, limited practice time, and it's already a hit. So, for a team that, by all accounts, is not... Really going to have a shot at the playoffs, barring some sort of absolutely catastrophic failure by three teams in that division. Um, I, I'm, I'm already like the, the gears are spinning. Like, where's this guy going to end up? What are they going to get for him? Like, if, if if we're talking about Taylor Hall, point per game player come the deadline, uh, that's a fair little package that some team has given up to to bring in his services. And then it, it then, then it becomes, well, is he worth it? Like, is it is this a product of Jack Eichel? Oh, I, I love the intertwinings here because, just like I said, s- small sample size, but he looks good. Buffalo doesn't look anywhere near uh, playoff contention, so what What are the ramifications going to look like here?
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I, it surprises me that Buffalo doesn't look like a playoff mm. team, uh, considering they got uh,
1: fucking Risto. Mm. Risto! Right, the the devil fry from that TV show. Wow, yeah, wow. I
0: don't, I but I I didn't get that reference. Like, I don't know what show that is.
1: It I don't remember the name funny. of the show, but like, oh, okay, you is didn't it Bob's know Burger? Is that what show is from? I don't know. Why the, not? I know the, Bob's Burgers, the but... French fry cartoon guy. Like, yeah, it looks like him. I get that. Like yeah. the joke was funny. I just, no, no, it's I don't funny joke. The, I, just I don't, don't know the character. I don't get the reference. To, yeah, yeah. No, me either. At
0: first, I thought maybe I was missing something from like Rick and Morty or whatever, but it, it, it it's not that. Yeah, I um, well, you know, I'm, I'm sad that Buffalo sucks, but I'm uh, uh, happy that it happened, but sad to watch it go. Is that the saying? That's very like that? close. Yeah, I think I mixed two sayings together there. Right.
1: Um, okay, so we got a couple of fun things we're going to get to here, unless you've got anything you go, else we'll to watch,
0: talk Love to watch it leave.
1: That, that's it.
0: And then what was the other one? It's better to have loved and lost than to never love before. Right. I think those were the two I mixed together. Yeah. Uh, with make, great responsibility yeah,
1: freaking... comes great power or great power comes great responsibility or something like that we Spider-Man. never stop to ask if we should yeah exactly <laughs> wow. um yeah so let star
0: wars quotes hanging around let's uh some something quotes. about a
1: father these are not the droids you're looking for no they're not uh.
0: <laughs> these are not the sabers i was looking for that's what it is
1: don't get cocky kid um yeah. So unless you've got anything else you want to touch on about the opening week, we got some some fun to get nah, to here. Can, um, it's gonna be a long season. Yeah, it's gonna be a talk about. It's gonna be a not as long as usual season, but we'll get to. We'll talk about how uh,
0: when the Kings lose their next four games, about how I still yeah. think they're looking good. Right. So I got
1: a little questionnaire for you, and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna... questionnaire. A little, well, kind It's of not a quiz. <laughs> it's it's a it's not really a quiz. So I got to do a it, survey. I've been satisfied with the podcast so far. It's a questionnaire today. It becomes a quiz in, like, three months. Like, you, you're going to give me the answers now, oh, but you don't get the so answer. Cool. Yeah.
0: Oh, so we got to still have a podcast in three months.
1: And I'm I'm going to be upfront and honest with you. I stole this. <laughs> uh,
0: All the good things are stolen.
1: I, I actually wanted to partake in this, but I apparently missed the deadline. I didn't know there was a deadline. I thought it was the 15th. Apparently it was the 13th. I missed the deadline, so I didn't get to enter myself into this little questionnaire quiz. uh contests for a prize. Okay. But I'm going to give you the same questions, and you have the benefit of already knowing a couple games worth from a few teams. I got eight questions here for you. Okay. And here's how this works. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. It's going to be a prediction, okay. and you can give me up to five answers. Okay, For every answer you get right, you double your points. So if you get one answer right, you get one point. If you get a second question so we right... we won't
0: know until three months from now.
1: Right. Oh, cool. If okay. you get a second question right in this category, you add two to that one, so now you're at three points. So if I get all five right, I get... Fifteen I get points. Fifteen points. Right. How? Here's the catch. So I can get a maximum of what,
0: like... Fifteen,
1: 15 times, times eight. eight? Yeah.
0: Wow. It's 105. it's a lot of points.
1: Something like that. Um, <laughs> I know what it is. I just did the math in my head. Yeah.
0: i not telling anyone.
1: Um, here's the catch. Okay. If you get one wrong out of the five you lose all the points for that category. So I can get 15 points or no points? You can go four for five, but that's zero. Oh. So you can stop after two. Okay. And try to bank
0: three points. Okay. What do I get with my points? Do I get to spend them at well, like the Ron's Virtual World?
1: With You get to spend the them groupings? at the uh, Laced Up Podcast. Uh, the merch store? <laughs> merch store. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I could use a new shirt. Right. I'll have one then, and as opposed to the zero. So, do, have. You have, do you have any questions before we start? this? No, I think that's pretty okay. clear. this is from the mind, uh, the brainchild of uh, one Sean MacIndoe, uh, better known as Down Goes Brown on Twitter, right. um, the trivia master himself. Uh, so, here is your first category. It's super. Like I said, all these questions are gonna be really easy, and then they're all of a sudden gonna not all be all that easy. So, here, here's here's the first one. I want you to give me five teams that will one hundred percent. Make the playoffs this year? Five teams that will 100% make 100%. The oh, this is
0: an easy one. Okay. <laughs> 100% will make the playoffs. If any of
1: these teams miss, you lose all the points. Okay. Yeah. The Colorado Avalanche. Okay. I'm sure their goaltending situation is fine. Trying to plant seeds of doubt there, <laughs> uh
0: The Tampa Bay Lightning. Good guess. The Vegas Golden Knights.
1: Okay. Once again, you don't have to give me five. Give me as many as you're comfortable with. No, I think I think I
0: think I I can do five with this one. Let's see. Fuck yeah, it's not as easy to do five for sure, mm. though. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like how much of a certainty are all these other teams? And it's like, I don't know if there really is like, another 100% certain
1: team. Like, you want to say the Leafs, but you're a Leaf fan, so you're not going <laughs> to...
0: No, like... <laughs> They didn't look great against Montreal, and Anderson looked terrible the first game against Ottawa, so uh, I could see things potentially going south. I'm I'm going to say the Philadelphia Flyers. Ooh. I just don't – they look so good. Okay, I like this. They look so good already. So that's four teams? That's four. I, I should pick a Canadian team, just to be spicy. I don't think there is one, though. Like Tight I watched division. all those games. I Tight division. Calgary looks so good the first twenty minutes of every game, and then they just and then they just fall asleep. Mm. You know, like I'll go to the Capitals.
1: Okay. So have what uh, three divisions of the four represented there? That's, yeah. that's good. That's... Remember when I said the North Division's fucked?
0: All right, question. Sorry, the Scotia North Division presented by RBC. Uh,
1: question two. Name up to five teams that will definitely not make the playoffs this year.
0: Ooh, not as easy. Okay,
1: the Ottawa Senators.
0: Ooh. Um, the fuck. See, the thing is, is like Chicago looks bad. But if Taves comes back next week, that's one guy. It's just like yeah, he could get 80 points and just put the team on his back. Like I won't count out Jonathan Taves. Could you count out Colin DeLea by chance? Like, not. It's just. It's just. It's just a side point. Like I, I'm. I'm definitely not considering them as one of my five. But like, I could see Dallas just fucking shitting the bed. Oh yeah. All this, right. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. Like they just started practicing again. I think. Like they're. You know. They're. They're a week behind everyone. It's gonna be a long year. More of a condensed schedule. Bishop's still out. So. So okay. So I got Ottawa. Hundred percent won't make the playoffs. I'll say Detroit. Okay. I'll say Detroit. I, 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 I could see your prediction of them not being last in that division, but I don't see how they finish ahead of a few of those teams. Fuck. I want to say New Jersey, but Blackwood looks really good.
1: I think there's another team in that division you might want to take a, a flyer <laughs> I on. I didn't watch them yet, eh? Yeah, <laughs> so, well. Um, just based on who's ahead of them. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but it's it's like... Some of those teams haven't exactly inspired confidence either. You know what That's I mean? It's fair. Like Boston don't doesn't look great. Like Boston looked bad more than New Jersey looked good.
1: It's, it's I only watched snippets. It's though, so weird part. this year too because you got to think like all those teams are just they're only playing each other. Yeah. So like if one team's bad, that doesn't mean that another team gets the advantage. It's not like Buffalo's gonna rise up the ranks because Boston's bad, unless they beat Boston themselves.
0: I said Ottawa, Detroit. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go Chicago too. Okay, but I think I'm gonna leave it at that.
1: Three. Yeah. I nothing other California's. Uh, uh, San like,
0: really thinking about San Jose, but again, like I said, like before we started recording, they're one of the other teams too. I didn't watch them at all. I didn't even know their record till we started recording. So it's just it's hard for me to feel good about that with having not watched them play. So I think I'm gonna leave it at three. Okay. I'm going to go Ottawa, Chicago, Detroit.
1: Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Question three, name up to five coaches that will definitely not be fired or otherwise leave their job before the first day of free agency 2021, not including any coach who was hired to their current job after January 1st, 2020. So you can't just pick a guy that was hired, you know. Was anybody? I'm not sure, but (laughs) – Okay, um,
0: won't leave their job, like, won't, won't... Won't leave the team there Won't worth. resign or get fired. Yeah. Like, leave their job for health reasons doesn't count. Yeah. Because I was going to say, like, I feel very confident that Claude Julien's not getting fired, but he does have health
1: problems. Yeah, otherwise <laughs> leave their job. Yeah, so...
0: Okay, um, I, I'll go Claude Julien. I'll go John Cooper. I'll go Jared Bednar. January 1st, 2020. I'll go Sheldon Keith. There it is. And... I want... I want to go Rod Brindamore, but... Like, if they miss the playoffs... I don't know what the fuck Dundon's gonna do. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's like the Mark Marin joke about Trump. I don't know what he's gonna do. The people who voted for him, they don't know what he's gonna do next. Um... I might go with a with a, like it's not it's not a spicy take, but it's spicy given the format of this uh, this exercise. I think I'm gonna go Craig Barube.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: Sharube. I just don't. I just even if they miss the playoffs, I can't see how they'd fire him. So.
1: Okay. Uh, question four: Name up to five GMs that will definitely not be fired, or otherwise leave their job. <coughs> Same exercise with the GMs. Oh, that's
0: a lot harder. Because guys just leave sometimes for no, you know. Um, Chaka. Okay, I'm gonna go. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go Julian Brisebois. Uh Before, sorry, what's the date before what? Before the draft? Yeah. for free, free agency. agency, sir. Okay. Um. Ooh, fuck, that's a lot tougher because that requires me knowing the 31 general managers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it does. That's not exactly the easiest task. I'll go Kelly McCrimmon. I'll, I'll go Joe Sackick. I just don't see how that happens. You know, this is going to sound surprising probably. I feel with the degree of certainty that I'll put him into this group. Uh, Kevin Sheveldayoff. Hmm. He's there for the long haul, I think, man. Like th- that team's gonna have to get really, really bad for them to fire him, I think. So I went, uh, I went Sackic, McCrimmon, Shovel Day off so far. Yep. Gonna leave it at that, I think. Those four. It's just like, it's a knee-jerk reaction position. <laughs> like I kind of want to just. Roll the dice and go David Poyle, just given, you know,
1: recency bias, given yeah. uh,
0: the course of history. But I, you never know with pretty much anyone else. So I,
1: I'm just going to leave it at those four
0: to be a little safe on that
1: one. Okay. Uh, question five Name up to five goaltenders who will definitely start at least 60% of their game, of their team's regular season games this year. So 35 plus starts, provided their team, plays if that's how the math works six. out. Yeah. Yeah, I heard, uh, I think, is
0: that is that the number? It, so I was watching uh, Washington uh, Washington Pittsburgh today, and Brian Boucher tried to do that math live on the air, and they were just fucking ripping him. It was pretty funny. Like, he just went silent. 30, 34 games. He just went silent for, uh, for like a minute afterwards, and Eddie and John Fuslin are just giggling. Then Brian Bouché just pipes up like after a minute. I got the math right though, right? It's it's thirty five games. They just start dying laughing again. It's like, holy fuck, Bush. Um, okay. A goalie will that will start? See, this is a tough one because like this is provided they don't get hurt. You know? Yeah. I'm betting on health. That too. So I'm probably not gonna probably not gonna say many goalies here. Um, I'll I'll go Connor Halabuk. This is a kind of, this is a riskier one than I think people think. I'm going to go Vasilevsky. He has an injury history and that team might be so far ahead in the fucking standings that McElhinney gets a lot of starts. This, this may, this may surprise some people, but, um, I am going to leave it at that. Wow. Big surprise. I'm okay.
1: just I'm just not confident on a lot of goalies staying healthy. That's fair. So, uh, number six, name up to five rookies who are definitely I there was
0: only five of these.
1: Definitely finishing the top ten Calder ballot this year. Top ten in the Calder ballot. Five rookies. Five rookies. Up
0: to five rookies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fuck! That's not as easy as people think it is. Uh oh my god! Wow! 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 wow. I just keep going hmm maybe something will happen and I won't have to do this activity and it'll save me from having to make a hard decision I will go Tim Stutzel. I would love to leave it at that but I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like I need to make some uh, some decisions here you know I'll go Kirill Kaprizov um, I'm gonna go Gabe Velarde I'm just looking at rookies now. Just trying to uh, get a gauge on the rookie class here. I have a hockey podcast. Not a lot of sexy rookie picks here, that's for sure. I'll go Nils Hoglander and I'm going to leave it at that. I like that pick. I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. I want to go Romanov, but given Montreal's defense, I could see. You know what I mean? Bergevin not playing him all the time. Should, but I could see that not happening. So.
1: Okay, number seven. Name up to five players who will definitely finish in the top 15 for heart voting.
0: Oh! Yeah! Uh, Nathan McKinnon. Connor McDavid. Who? Yeah. Artemi Tammy Panarin, just doubling doubling down here. In the top 15. Mm-hmm. I will go Connor Hellebuck. Um I'll I'll go
1: Jack Eichel.
0: If it were top 10, I wouldn't feel as good about it, but if it's top 15,
1: fair enough. I, I think he'll be there. Okay. Uh and your last question is name up to five players. Who are currently on an NHL roster that will definitely change teams. <laughs> that between, definitely won't be on an NHL roster? That will definitely change teams between the start of the season and the end of the first day of NHL free agency. This includes being picked in the expansion draft, but not retirement. Oh, wow. <laughs> well,
0: give me half an hour and I'll get back to you there. Um, that will change teams. What's a free agent class look like this year? <laughs> uh, wow. Because it's like I could see, like I could see a lot of the trade rumor guys not moving still. Um, like I feel like Dubois will get traded, but there are times where these things take, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like over. Take over a year. Before the first day of free agency, I'm going to go uh, Tyler Johnson. I kind of want to say uh, Tyler Bozak, but I'm not going to. So I'm hoping he'll be the uh, fourth line center for Toronto next season. <laughs> coming home. I mean, I guess if you were coming home, he would go to Colorado. Um, could I say Aaron Dell?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, is. is that within the confines of the I'll, rules? I'll allow it. Uh,
0: <laughs> okay. I mean, it's not a fun pick, but I might have to because I don't have a lot of names here. This is a tough uh, it's a tough game. Just because I like, I didn't look at the, I didn't know who was a free agent or anything till right now. You know, I'm looking. But, like, even a lot of guys where it's just, like, they might leave, like, I could see Stepon staying in Ottawa. I don't know why he would, but, you know, he maybe he stays there. Like he could be uh, like a fucking captain there for a couple years, maybe, you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, like, and you look at the free agent class too, it's just, you know, like technically Ovechkin. (laughs) Do I think Ovechkin's going to play somewhere other than Washington in his NHL career? I, I do, but I don't know that we're there yet. You know, hall, like hall was another name. I just, I find it hard to believe he's a Sabre a year from now. Or like a, you know, a hockey year from now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm gonna take some risks with this category. Because it's just like, it's going to be so hard to get a bunch of names right. So I went Tyler Johnson. Uh, I am going to go big, this is my big risk for this game. Ooh. Okay. I'm going to go TJ Oshie. Interesting. I think he's going to be in Seattle. I just think that makes sense for Washington. It makes a lot of sense for Oshi. He's from Washington State. So I I I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna go with Taylor Hall. What fun would this category be without some without some bold picks, you know? All right. Um I'm gonna go Zach Cassian. Interesting. Seattle. Is that four? It's four. I mean I've already come this far. Why not make it five? You know? Sure. Why not? Well, he's a free agent at the end of the year. Any number of things could happen there. Um, I'll go Sam Bennett. Sam Bennett. Yeah, hopefully on the Toronto Maple Leafs third line, but we'll see. Reunited with his buddy TJ Brody.
1: There you go. Okay, so that, that is all uh, all eight categories. Who are my five there? Uh, Taylor Johnson, TJ Oshie, Taylor Hall, Zach Cassian, and Sam Bennett. Fuck. Now, uh, Probably going to get no points there. Brutes, what you did not know. Hmm. Prior to asking you these questions, I filled up my own responses. Oh, no. Nice. I was hoping you had. So, to recap, Category 1, five teams that will definitely make the playoffs this year. You had the Avalanche, the Lightning, the Knights, the Flyers, and the Capitals. I had the Avalanche, the Lightning, the Knights, the Flyers, and the Leafs. Nice. We're pretty close there. You're, you're, you're a good man. Yeah. Sticking with the boys. Five teams that will definitely not make the playoffs this year. You only answered three. You went Senators, Red Wings, Blackhawks. Uh, I also went Senators, Red Wings, and Blackhawks. But I also added the Kings and the Sabres. I'm trying to bank a little bit uh, extra points there. See how that uh, I think shakes you're, I
0: think you're pretty safe. I think you're good with the Sabres. I think you're pretty safe with the Kings. Hmm. But I did at one point have them fourth in that division when we were doing the predictions. Very so fair.
1: I, I shit could hit the fan there. Very fair. Uh, question three was the coaches that will not be fired or otherwise Ooh. leave their jobs. Uh, you went Claude Julien, John Cooper, Jared Bednar, Sheldon Keefe, and Craig Berube. Shereube. Uh, I went John Cooper, Sheldon Keefe, Jared Bednar, and Jeff Ward. I heard shortly before that Yeah, tree, tree Living's not one to panic either. So, right, yeah. so I feel pretty safe with Jeff Ward, but I'm, I'm abstaining from the fifth choice there. That's fair.
0: I wanted for the GMs to say Tree Living, too, but...
1: Yeah. I, I I thought it's not, a, myself. it's not a
0: guarantee but I, I like tree living a lot I think he's a pretty
1: good GM alright question number 4 was name 5 GM's that will not be fired or otherwise leave their jobs prior to the uh, start of free agency not including guys that were hired after January 1st 2020 now that was a key piece of information January mm-hmm. 1st 2020 you answered Julian Brisbois, Kelly McCrimmon, Joe Sackick and Kevin Shevel Dayoff I went Julian Brisbois, Joe Sackick, Kyle Dubas And a little guy hanging out in Seattle by the name of Ron Francis, (laughs) who I'm pretty sure won't get fired. So I think that's a pretty safe bet. I am pretty sure, but... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're you're not wrong. Like, is he a good GM? I guess we'll see. Uh, Question five was name up to five goaltenders who will definitely start at least six percent of their team's regular season games this year. You went Hellebuck and Vasilevsky, and that was it. Mm -hmm. That was it. That's all two guys. You feel safe. The injury thing, that's a great point you brought up. I'm a little nervous myself. I had four. I went Connor Hellebuck as well. I went Tuka Rask. I know. Wow. I know. I mean, I'm down, but... I went John Gibson. Yeah. And I went with a guy by the name of Mackenzie Blackwood. Yeah. I I
0: sat on him too, but he has injury problems. Like, yeah. not problems. Definitely not problems. History, yeah, was the only reason why. No, but, and, but even fair. with Vasilevsky, Vasilevsky has injury history too. So I kind of took a risk. This, later,
1: this, this might be the category that kills me, but I, I feel good about my choice. Okay. So, uh, we went with uh, number six, five rookies who will finish in the top ten for Calder voting. You went Stutzel, Kariel, Kaprizov, Gabe Velardi, and Niels Hoglander. Uh, I also went with Stutzel, and I also went with Kaprizov, but I capped myself out at three, and I stuck with Igor Shesturkin. New York Rangers mm. as my third pick, probably not the New York Ranger that a lot of people had in mind when I asked this question, but no. see how that plays out. Number seven was five players who will finish the top fifteen at heart voting. You went McKinnon, McDavid, Panarin, Hellebuck, and Eichel. Uh, I myself went McKinnon, McDavid, Matthews, and Elias Patterson. Okay. And Patterson's that, a good pick. That, that's one where I think we can probably we might sweep the board there, and okay. you you having the advantage of the fifth selection might might edge me on points this is going to be the one i think that decides it for for both of us i think it's been a close game up to this point we'll find out in a few months but the last category of course we just talked about five players on an NHL roster that will not be on that team by the start of the first day of NHL free agency uh, you went tower johnson tj oshi taylor hall zach cassie and sam bennett i went pierre League dubois okay That's fair i went taylor hall Okay, I went Eric Stahl. <laughs> okay, but how does it work if he retires? Then I, I lose. I think he gets looked at the deadline. Because he still
0: technically is a Sabre. Yeah. Like, okay,
1: okay, okay. Yeah, yeah I, know, I know what you're saying. But yeah. I went Marc-Andre Fleury, who I think gets picked at the expansion draft. Ooh. So we can, you can only keep one goalie. For the Kraken, eh? Yeah, it worked once before. That's true. And I went Patty Marlowe.
0: I you think th- he's going to play it somewhere I, else. I
1: think the Sharks flip him at the deadline. Go chase a cup. You got your Gordie Howe record with us. Give us a six-round pick for Patty Marlowe. League min. It's just Ooh. whether or not a team's going to take the flyer on him. I mean, I took a lot more
0: bold predictions, so it's like it's hard for me to sit here and and review right. here, but like, right. I, don't, I don't think that Marlowe thing's going to happen. Yeah. <sighs> You
1: had me You had me till Marlowe. That's okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to put this in the drafts, and we will come back to this okay. on July 1st. Wow, that's going to be fun. whenever free agency is, I guess. Oh, yeah, that'll be
0: like the first <laughs> round of the playoffs, probably, with all the um, COVID delays.
1: So that'll, that'll be fun to revisit in a few months and find out how, how we were so, so wrong that neither of us had, I don't know, Elias Samsonov on the rookie uh, list.
0: Um, it doesn't count. No. Otherwise, I
1: would have. Oh, no. okay. Uh, that leaves us with the overrated, underrated favorite, least favorite this week, and in honor of Betty White's 99th birthday
0: yesterday. Yeah, that's what you guys were all thinking when the <laughs> episode started. I, I'm i sure they'll talk about Betty White this Happy week. birthday, Betty. Uh, we're Betty going White with... Betty White this, Betty White that, who gives
1: a shit? Sitcom actresses. Yes. Yeah. The Golden Girl star one. herself. So... Uh, Sir, your overrated sitcom actress. All right, this can be so, for one role or for many. Had
0: I known that I was going to have such a spicy take, like ninety seconds before these in my five <laughs> players that won't be on a team, I probably wouldn't have gone quite as spicy on my overrated. Okay, I, I, I just think she's overrated. I do like her. Especially on the show she was on. But Jennifer Aniston does not carry as much weight on Friends as people think. Okay. Uh, I think she... uh, Like, she's great. She's great. She's fine. But just as a sitcom actress, she is the weakest of the three, I think, on that show. And she gets looked at, because of her post-Friends career, too... And because she's 58 and looks like she's tw- 26 still, um, you know, she gets she like she's the most famous person to come out of that show. But how dare you on the show? How dare you? Matt LeBlanc has something to say about that. I mean, he's he's still on TV. So, I That's mean, fair. like you know, can't really take that away from him. Like there are some of these people are not doing anything. Matt LeBlanc actually is up there. That's but um yeah, I just I don't I don't think she carries as much weight in that show. There are a lot of times where she just kinda irritates me on the show. Um but she's great. Like I like her. She's funny. Okay. We're the Millers was on T V today. I I the movie's fairly stupid, but she's pretty funny in it, so Right, but yeah. also not a sitcom show. So No, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like yeah. I like yeah. her in
1: general. Like she is good. It's not
0: like she's bad, mm. but
1: uh, my overrated comes from the same the same TV show. Wow, and it's Lisa Kudrow. Wow, yeah, yeah. Uh, but again, I like not her. for yeah. Yeah, I, I like her. I think she does a good job on the show. But there's like over like remember when Friends was actually on the air and yeah, it was all my mom about, watched it every week. It was all about Jennifer Aniston, and it was a little bit about Courtney Cox and you know a little bit about Matthew Perry, but like it was Jennifer Aniston for whatever reason. Since this show ended and it, like, went away and came back on Netflix and everyone started watching again, Uh, Phoebe Boucher became, like, the most important character somehow along the way. And, again, like, I, I think Lisa Kudrow does a good job on the show, but there's been, like, this weird revisionist approach towards Friends where... Anytime you ask anybody that watches the show who their favorite character is, it's like, oh, it's Phoebe, because Phoebe's the best character. She's the most important character. It's like, no, you could probably take Phoebe out of the show, and it would still be the same show, unfortunately. Like, that's not a great sign from a character uh, on uh, an award-winning television show that went for 10 years. So I don't really get the hype that Lisa Kudrow gets for the show, other than the fact that, like, I, I do think she's good, just not to the level that other people seem to think she is
0: okay let's say I, I can't really argue too much with that okay so
1: i don't agree but that's fine okay
0: uh what we're saying is that friends is overrated well <laughs> that is yeah if we, next week we'll do uh overrated underrated favorite least favorite sitcoms and mm. that, that it's easy to say friends is overrated because it's like regarded as the greatest but it's it's not Ooh, like it's, it. it's top 15 probably eh, for sure. perhaps yeah. but uh, you're underrated Ooh, uh, yeah, uh, it took me a while to get there, but once I got there, wow, do I ever believe this, uh, Megan Mullally, uh, for those of you who don't know Megan Mullally because you were born, uh, after the 90s, Megan Mullally, uh, plays Karen Walker on the show Will and Grace, um, now, it's not so much that I think Will and Grace is an incredible sitcom, I, I actually think it's really funny. Um, it's very repetitive, so I couldn't watch, it's not a show where you could binge watch it, it's a show where you could watch it if it's on TV, and you'll laugh, and you'll appreciate it, but that's, that's about it, really, you know what I mean, that's, that's the extent of it. Um, but Megan Mullally has an incredible resume of guest appearances on other sitcoms, and that is kind of what gets her over the hump for me. Um, she's on an episode of Seinfeld where she plays a character that doesn't so hear, hear so well out of the one ear kind of thing, and uh, uh, George's girlfriend kind of thing, and, and it, it's a classic episode. Uh, she's on, I think, a couple episodes of Frasier. It says one, but I feel like it's a couple. Uh, she's got a guest appearance on Mad About You. She's on Caroline in the City, Just Shoot Me, Third Rock from the Sun. She is uh, one of my favorite guest appearances in the history of King of the Hill as a voice role. How I Met Your Mother, she was a series regular in Happy Endings, she plays a, uh, like, I feel like she has, like, amnesia or something when she's on 30 Rock, Mm. she's on 30 Rock, uh, and is probably my favorite guest appearance of Parks and Rec, which is, uh, Ron Swanson has two ex-wives, they're both named Tammy, she is Tammy too. Uh, Tammy, too, is a fucking psychopath, and when she shows up in the show, it is not good news for Ron. Uh, And she also does an episode of Life in Pieces. Basically what I'm saying is that she's someone who shows up in the history of great sitcoms. She's everywhere. She does voice roles, she does actual appearance roles, and I find her genuinely so fucking funny. Like, even the sound of her voice makes me laugh. But she's also a very funny actress. She sings. She sings very well. Like, she is an incredible talent. And I had to explain to you who she is. Not you, you yourself, James. But the listeners who she is, because she's not a household name. But holy shit, she was on, she's been on TV for 30 years and has been fucking killing it. Uh, I love Megan Mullally. I think she's fantastic.
1: It's uh, a good summary. You really nailed all the points, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my underrated is Deborah Joe Rupp. Nice. Uh, yeah. Another lady that's been doing this for a long, long time. Uh, about 30 years as well, and uh, most notably, uh, Kitty Foreman on the 70s show. Uh, everyone's favorite, uh, you know, s- s- marijuana smoking, liquor sneaking, uh, overbearing mother uh but beyond that like you said like uh, you know same kind of a, a line here a, a lot of other appearances as well she was uh, in, in seinfeld for a couple episodes as katie uh she showed up in friends as the uh, girlfriend to phoebe's uh, brother uh she's in a half dozen episodes of that giovanni ribisi yeah uh, she's been in the tracy morgan show she showed up uh, as a recurring uh, role in an animated show called teacher's pet in which she played a character by the name of uh, miss mary lou moira angelo darling heppelman that's just fun to say um and then she's also kind of working her way back into the mainstream she was on the ranch on netflix for uh, a recurring role there for 12 episodes uh this is us she was on there for a few episodes is there anyone left
0: from that 70s show that hasn't made an appearance on the ranch
1: i don't think topher like grace
0: yeah i respect topher grace i feel like he he probably could be in a lot more shit than he is and i think he chooses not to be like that's always the vibe I've yeah there. You know what I, I, mean? I don't know
1: if um laura preppen was on the ranch
0: no well she's another one too she
1: has standards she knows what's up yeah um yeah she has not been on the ranch um so yeah and and then most recently she's on uh the brand new disney plus exclusive wandavision Deborah joe rep is oh Uh, she's in both episodes of that i haven't seen it yet but i'm excited now that i know that i've been talking about that at
0: work is that something i could get into or no
1: Buddy, yeah, I have no idea what that's about. I've seen, the, I've seen the trailer. It's it Marvel looks, adjacent. It looks but weird as fuck. Yeah. I don't know. I'm probably going to throw it on and hate it. But yeah. I'm going to give it a go. I'm, I'm really un- uncertain what to expect. Hmm. So, yeah. Tip it or, Maybe uh,
0: underrated. I, uh, I forgot to add to um, a couple key things. I, I forgot to mention, because you're a fan of the show, uh, that Megan Mullally is also uncredited in an episode of How I Met Your Mother. She does the voice of Barney's mom. Uh, but also the voice of? The voice of doesn't appear on screen i was gonna
1: say because like his mom's in like a dozen episodes yeah i just that's couldn't get it. her i guess
0: but um i forgot to mention too that the other reason why i love her guest appearance as uh ron swanson's uh, ex-wife in parks and rec is because she is married to nick offerman in real life and has been for 17 mm. years which is that part of the joke too and that's why i think it's great. Um, My favorite sitcom actress I I didn't have to think about. It's not even close, because she is probably my favorite sitcom actor or actress of all time. Uh, It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She is arguably the funniest person on Seinfeld. She is on Veep, which is one of the funniest shows that no one's seen of the last ten years. And even The New Adventures of Old Christine was pretty funny. So uh, yeah, like she has been crushing it on television for thirty years, and uh, she's fantastic. I love her. I think she's hilarious, and and
1: yeah, Julia Weidler. It's a very on-brand pick for you. Yeah, I can respect yeah, that.
0: There was I, was never going to be a surprise there.
1: Uh, I'm I'm going to go with uh, her co-star in the 1981 film, of course, Christmas Vacation, right. uh, Doris Roberts, uh, Marie <laughs> Barone. <laughs> Everybody loves Raymond. Okay, that's fair. I have she, I holy shit.
0: She's so funny on that show. Like Oh my god. I love it's on TV a lot on the country channel now when I get home from work, so I watch it when I'm eating dinner all the time. And the one season nine, the last season, episode two, where they get evicted from the retirement oh community was on. Which is probably my favorite episode of that show. But Doris Roberts in that episode's great because the kids are just bashing Frank and Marie, and the look on her face for about five minutes. She doesn't say a word, but she just looks dumbfounded at the family yelling about it. Then she's yelling about the Bowflex that Robert has in the in the living room, which she's convinced is a sex machine.
1: Mm.
0: Fuck, like she's so funny. Oh my it's, god! Like her you have and never
1: liked us. Her and Peter Boyle are definitely a hundred percent, without question, my favorite on-screen couple. Sure. That's um, fine. And I don't think, You're they, a trophy wife? I don't think what they even managed I... so much as a kiss on screen. Like they <laughs> they just my favorite. There, but, uh, there are a few wholesome moments, but not many. Oh my god. Yeah. Um every, every time I watch that show, like I like Ray Romano, I like Brad Garrett. I like Patricia Heaton, but like let's be honest, what are we tuning in for? It's it's fucking Doris Roberts just roasting Deborah uh, each and every episode. It's 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 great, great television.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, like, even just to go back to, to like, Julia Louis-Dreyfus doesn't do a lot of guest appearances, but, like, I'm a big fan of the ones she has done. Because mm-hmm. she, uh, she's on 30 Rock for their live show as the cutaway version of Liz Levin, Lemon. <laughs> when they can't get Tina Fey to the next set quick enough, they just get Julia Louis-Dreyfus to play Liz Lemon. And then she's also in Arrested Development as a blind lawyer. okay it's great like i i love her but yeah i know like it's doris Roberts in that show for that show alone like i can i can respect that her
1: tv credits go back to 1951 she was great yeah
0: yeah yeah i love the 30 rock joke of uh uh you never called me back about that audition like jenna maroney yelling at one of the everybody loves raymond producers and Mm. she's like no i did he just like i did call you back i told you we went with Doris Roberts for the part, like as if she was a she was auditioning to play Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we went with Doris Roberts. Um, my my least favorite is just because her uh, her existence in current life has ruined my viewing of certain seasons of a show that I really enjoy. Uh, probably a cop out because she wasn't bad on the show, but I just hate her now. Uh, Kirstie Alley. Okay. Is, a, is a horrible horrible person, and uh, I can't watch Cheers now some of it because of her. So that's a shame, hmm. because I really enjoy Cheers.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, that's too bad, buddy. Yeah, she's sorry, terrible. I'm sorry to hear that. She's a horrible person. Uh, you. My least favorite is Roseanne Barr. Yeah, <laughs> same same idea. Yeah. 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 Wow.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I'll give just a. Ugh. I'll give Roseanne this, as I did at one point find her funny, mm. whereas Kirstie Alley I've just never liked, really. You know what I mean? Okay. Like she was okay on the show. But, like, yeah, it's tough. You know, I have a hard time, too. Like, it's it's not like I've watched the show at all, but just the fact that the that, that Connors is still on and they're just pretending that she never and just existed. Didn't and, yeah. and she was always the only funny person on the show. So, you know what I mean? I like, she, don't get me wrong, like, I like Laurie Metcalf, I love John Goodman, but like that that show isn't good. Did you know that she ran for president in 2012? I, I do. That's pretty fucked. Yeah, she's not great. Huh. Yeah, I would have probably voted for her over Kirstie Alley, if given a gun to my head. You know, don't blame me, I voted for Kodos type shit.
1: Well, for uh, for better or for worse, Roseanne Barr, uh, just stay off Twitter and television and media in general I yeah guess. well the good news is I
0: haven't heard from her since she was cancelled a few years ago so
1: god has she done anything actually twenty sixteen? No twenty sixteen that was it. Good.
0: Cool. Um okay. Yeah, that's about it. I guess that's it. Uh that was fun. Yeah. It was a good episode. So uh I'm assuming most of our listeners can do math. And uh this being episode ninety nine would mean that the next episode is one oh one, of course. So uh, for the 100th episode, we, we don't exactly know what the format's going to be. And because we don't exactly know what we're doing for sure, uh, we don't know when it's going to be for sure. I mean, we're not in, like, any rush right now um, to, to make sure that we're out on Mondays, you know, for sure. So we might be out sooner than next Monday. We might be out later than next Monday. It's hard to say exactly when everything's going to come together. We're hoping to have it set up, of course, where we have some guests via Zoom, um, and just kind of do it that way, and it just all depends on their schedules and when we can get everything together. Uh, Or it might just be the two of us, drinking and watching uh, Mystery Alaska, finally. Uh, So we'll see what we do, but um, there
1: will be a 100th episode, it's just... Could you imagine? It might be. (laughs) This is it. Hey guys, this is James. You can probably tell by the introduction that something's wrong. Um, Brutes has left the show. Yeah, just this is it. Uh, I'm not going to carry this on. We tried that once before, didn't go great.
0: Here, here are our, here's my new co-stars Ryan Lambert and Sean McIndoe. <laughs> Nailed it. Um,
1: Fucking swish, baby. You know,
0: you know, and just like very quickly before we go. Like speaking of kind of replacing the old and bringing in the new, I'm really enjoying the Sportsnet panel this year. I think they've kind of they kind of they're pretty close to having it right now. Like they got Brian Burke there. They only give him so much time to talk. He gets his segment, but other than that, he only has so much time to talk. When he does, he usually cracks a joke about fighting in a barn and everyone laughs. But most of it is just the boys, like Elliot Friedman, uh, Kelly Rudy. But it's mostly Anthony Stewart and and Kevin Bieksa. And I think that it's such a loose group that clearly, like, gets along and everything like that. Uh, it's got some nice flow to it that it's never had. Mm. Like, it's li- literally never had. It- it's actually a treat. It's the first time I can genuinely say I've actually listened to the interviews or to the
1: in- intermissions now. Yeah, I, do, I don't change the channel when it goes to... You know,
0: no, and, like, uh, and they don't try to... You remember when they used to do the satellite hot stove thing and they used to try to force Nick Kiprios to be a part of it? And now when they do that segment, it's just Ron and Elliot and Chris Johnston. Like, mm-hmm. the Ron asks the two guys that actually know what's going on questions. You know? Instead of having Nick Kiprios be like, you know, Alex Petrangelo leaves, done deal for sure. It's going to be Morgan Riley and 17 first-round picks going back the other way. You know, uh, the question needs to be asked is, is this a good move for Toronto? Or is Alex Petrangelo just going to retire when he gets there, you know? So we'll see what happens. What? Oh, yeah, and then Jonathan Quick's a free agent this summer, so he's going to uh, Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember when he signed a 12-year deal like five years ago? Or... Yeah, Ugh, so. Just the worst. But it's been nice.
1: No, that's good. We can mm. only go up from here, right, folks? Yeah, that's right. All right, well, we'll see you at the uh, triple-digit mark uh, next episode. Wow. And, um, yeah. River dirch mm, Goodbye. Ciao. I'm telling you this place is perfect. You're gonna make friends in no time. Mr. No!
2: Get me out of here! Yeah, just eat that. <sighs> Leave us alone. I think about you and